everyone, and welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Netizens, the K-pop podcast that's not afraid to poke at the beehive. Notice we said beehive, not bayhive. We are not suicidal. I am Ash, and I am joined on the K-pop offense squad by the two-pronged attack team of Jimin. Hello. And Jay. Hi. (laughs) We have another Super Grand Slam episode for you this week, and we've been extremely lucky to have another special guest with us today. Um, You might call her a K-pop influencer, um, but in my opinion, she's much more than an influencer. She's a journalist, she's a pop culture analyst, and K-pop writer, Tamara Herman. Yay! Yay! Uh, that's like the nicest thing anybody's ever said about me. I'm gonna like record uh, that. And it, play it whenever I need to pick me up. Thanks so much for inviting me onto the show, guys. Oh, thank you. It's awesome to have you here. Um, we've all read and seen your work, of course, and you've already accomplished so much of your career already. So, I'd like to ask you a little bit about your work and your experiences and your involvement and this crazy little thing we call K-pop. So let's get started. So first of all, this is the typical dreaded um, interview question, but you always have to kind of ask it. um, Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, Hi, my name is Tamara Herman. I cover K-pop as a billboard columnist for the K-pop column, and I cover um, just generally East Asian business uh, of entertainment for for Forbes also, um, I do, I don't just do K-pop, I also do some Chinese and Japanese music and just general international global like entertainment trends, but I tend to do more K-pop. That's kind of my first love and I'm trying to learn more about everything else, but that's kind of where I sit. I've been writing about K-pop semi-professionally uh, since 2013, uh, professionally since 2016 and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, I write about K-pop all day, and I I do that, and that's pretty cool. So many people's dream you not realize like that is <laughs> that is like dream job right there for a lot of people. Um, second of all, congrats on the book coming Thank out. You. The story of BTS is coming out fall two thousand nineteen. Um, how did that come about? Um. Well, I'm actually still working on it, so it's like weird to talk about it. Oh, uh, whatever you can reveal <laughs> yeah. as of right now. Uh, no, just uh, it's been something that we've been. I, I love BTS. Like um, their their career has been really fascinating for me to see. I this is like so weird, but like when as they were like starting their career was when like I first started writing blogs because I studied abroad in Korea in 2013, and that's when and BTS's debut was in June 2013. So like literally my entire like writing career has followed their career path so it's like something that's like just really cool for me but maybe I think I don't remember when the first time it came up a book a book book I mean like I've always thought I was gonna write like a fiction book or something but then over the years it started being like I think I'm gonna write a book on something k-pop and then maybe I guess it was last year it must I don't remember if it was like at the tail end of 2017 or if it was at the start of 2018 but pretty much um a few of us got in a room and we're just like we should write a book uh that book never happened because at the time like before before like the bbmas i want to say or the amas like 
really publishing houses were like, oh, we only want something if it's official with BTS involved. And so like, I know that there's been like a lot of people like, oh, it's not an official book. Most biographies aren't official biographies. When you have an official biography, it means you've sat in the room with the person who the book's about and like, they're going to be quoted in it. So it means like it's a, it's an official authorized biography. So we kind of knew from the start that that's not what would be possible because K-pop doesn't allow for that. Like that just wasn't really, we knew no K-pop company in the entire world, except maybe like, size would be would be like open to letting a writer sit in the room talk to the like a band for like a week and write a book about that so we kind of knew that that wasn't going to happen um and once we got like this the hard no from big hit entertainment like no we we just don't the answer wasn't like a hard no like no we don't want you to interview them it was like they don't have time for anything right now like we don't have the time to take out time for like something that's not an immediate like cover story Mm -hmm which is fair, um, like BTS are really busy. So it kind of died and then um, it, it picked up again in a different form maybe over the summer. Um, and then pretty much like over the last few months, it's, it's February now. Um, it's like, I guess over the last like six months or so, I've been like brainstorming the book and finally, finally it got like, it's, a, it's becoming a thing and, yeah, so it had, I guess, I guess, it, really long story short, like it had started out being a group thing, and then kind of, it became my thing. And, and now this is my thing. And it's really exciting and really weird. Like a friend just came over and, and did me a favor. And I was trying to pay them back, they brought me dinner. And I was just like, and the, the response was just give me a signed copy of your book when it comes out. And I was just like, I'm gonna have a book. Oh, that is like the thing for a writer. It's like, you can say I'm published now. That's awesome. Um, You mentioned that you were in Korea for some time. Um, What were you doing or studying there? And how long were you there? Yeah, so um, I guess like the whole way I got into writing about K-pop is uh, not how people always think. People always assume that I'm like, a music writer who got into K-pop, but I'm more of a K-pop writer who got into music because I've followed K-pop since I was in high school. And when I got into college, I went to the Macaulay Honors College, which is, if you guys are familiar with it, like New York City area, CUNY is City University of New York. It's the public college here. And they have an honors program that's entirely free. If you get in, the entire program is free. And there used to be, I think there still might be some, but it used to be like a full semester abroad stipend available if you wanted for every single student across seven colleges who were in this program mm-hmm. so I was like well if I'm going to this college program and they're saying we have money for you to go somewhere then I'm going to use that money and actually that's kind of the reason I picked my college um, was just like my parents are never going to pay for me to go live somewhere for six months so this is great mm-hmm. um, and I thought I was going to go to law school, but things changed. And one of my advisors one day was like, you know, Korean 101 starting this semester. And I've seen you and your friend, um, like, talk about K-pop stuff in the, in like the lounge. Like, why don't you take Korean 101 with her? So the two of us took Korean 101. And actually, both of us ended up working in the industry for a time, which was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I quickly changed my plans of going to law school to doing something else. I didn't know what. My degree is in East Asian studies with a minor in Korean and a minor in business. I have no journalism background in college. Um, it was all internships and stuff like just writing on the job. But so yeah, in 2013, I ended up living in Korea for I think between February and August. I think that was it. Um, 
so I guess it's almost my anniversary. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I went to Korea for about six months for spring and summer semester. And while I was there, I just started blogging. Like I had never really thought, and I still don't think, and I would not suggest that journalism is a lucrative field to go into. And it's a very difficult field to go into. Um, or it's not so difficult to get into, it's difficult to stay in. So I never thought like, I had thought I was going to be a lawyer because that just seemed, everybody was always saying like, oh, you should be a lawyer. You have a personality type for a lawyer. And I hated the idea, but it was like, well, I got to make money and jobs are jobs. So that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, except when I was looking into internships, I didn't want to do anything remotely legal related. And instead, one of my professors said, hey, we have a relationship with NBC New York. So do you want to intern there? So I did. And a few years later, after working at NBC and a few other places, I ended up writing for K-pop outlets and now I'm here where I am. But yeah, I lived in Korea and kind of out of boredom, which sounds really dumb, but kind of out of boredom. I started blogging for some K-pop sites because I had a really weird gap in my day. So my morning classes were sometimes, I had one at 7 a.m. once and then my Korean class wasn't until 1 p.m. So I had like a huge slot in my day. So like if I wasn't doing something and I couldn't find friends who weren't in classes, I was just like chilling in my laptop. And I don't know, I was just like, I like K-pop and maybe I'll be able to meet some idols if I start writing for blogs or something, um, which like sounds really terrible, but that's like how no, that's awesome. ever starts their careers. Like mm-hmm. I have something to say about these people and I want to meet these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I started writing for like a really terrible K-pop blog um, and I met some really wonderful people. And since then just kind of like, have like, I don't know, steamrolled in my way into a career that I kind of was working at it separately, but together, like I thought I was going to be, once I was at NBC, I was like, oh, I'm going to do like heartbreaking news. And like, even now people are like, your news, your stories are so newsy. And I'm just like, that's just who I am. That's like my background was like literally at 2 a.m. finding out how many people died in a car crash on like the Bronx River Parkway. Um, So... Yeah, I don't know. I have a really weird background of how I ended up in K-pop. And I guess the long story short is I love K-pop and I studied something sort of related to it. And I studied abroad in Korea and started writing and I never stopped. That's awesome. Um, How did you become a fan of K-pop? It's all YouTube's fault. Um, (laughs) uh, It's YouTube's fault and like internet, like digital natively that's a word. Um, I was involved in like writing forums way back when um, Mm -hmm. I like remember very graphically like asking people like I don't know what high school to go to so I must have been really young when I was involved in these forums like (laughs) eighth grade I guess seventh or eighth grade and like somebody one day mentioned something about k-pop like I wish I remember who it was and I could be like email them be like thank you for changing my life um but I don't remember who it was but I do remember that I don't remember if it was like the first music video but it was definitely the most impactful one for me at the moment was um Wonder Girls is so hot so that was like a summer 2008 song um and I remember like 2 p.m's 10 points out of 10 like their debut that was like my first debut so I tend to consider their debut my anniversary in k-pop but yeah, it's all because of the internet. Like, I, I wish I had some really cool story where, like, my best friend since I was two introduced me to K-pop, and I've been a long-time fan. I know everything. Um, and it's just been about, like, a decade, which is still really a long time um, that I've been following K-pop. So yeah, I, I got, like, the pretty 
pretty basic like entryway was I discovered it online and the music videos were phenomenal and I got really lucky because I came into things around 2008 and 2009 which were groundbreaking for k-pop and that's when like the media here started picking it up so I had more access to it than I would have maybe if it was 2007 or something mm-hmm. um and so yeah and and that happened and and it never stopped like there were times when I uh, was just like oh I'm not, I'm not with k-pop and I was just like oh I guess not who's always pulled you back in like what's always pulled you back in when you thought like okay I'm done or you know maybe like one of a group that you followed is like disbanded or something or you know you you have a moment where you kind of feel like you're fading out a bit like what keeps you like so in into that like genre what makes you want to write about it I feel like it's two things like one thing is is that I have such a the connection like people I don't I don't like tend to on my like Twitter or anything I don't tend to like talk about like my favorite bands and like my emotional connection to some songs but like I've been listening to this stuff for over a decade like I do have emotional connections with a lot of these songs and like even even like if I don't like you know like follow their accounts or well now I get like Google updates about k-pop every day so like it'd be really hard right now to not be into it but even when I feel like my interest waning or just like I'm thinking oh like the music isn't as good like now like oh like it used to be better or something like it's really not and I just like find myself listening to either old stuff or new stuff and just being like oh this is really really good and I mean that's the that's the beauty of k-pop is that it's never it's never stagnant like it's never just sitting there like there's never a period of time where I mean like maybe there's occasionally like a few months where you know like I think like oh there's nothing that really wowed me or and there have been years where where I'm like thinking like like this is gonna be terrible but like 2018 there wasn't necessarily an album that like I can think of two maybe three albums and like those were like my top two on every single list that I had a rank at the end of 2018 that were like really good and then like everything else I was just like it's okay like last year it was like a a pretty good year for k-pop single wise but like I didn't necessarily feel that way about like 2018 was the best year for k-pop ever musically like it was a great year for k-pop don't get me wrong Please nobody quote me saying that I said it was a terrible year for K-pop. <laughs> um, but like, there are definitely times when like things get better and things get big. Um, but I don't know. I just like, I always find something new, I, I guess. So if the music kind of gets me bored um, or like the music videos, honestly, nowadays, this is going to sound really bad because it's such a big element of K-pop. I tend to watch music videos once and like, that's it. Like I'm kind of bored by music videos right now, unless they're really mm-hmm. something new and dynamic, like if they're telling a story. But nowadays they're they're all kind of boring to me. I even watch some of them on double speed, which is really terrible. When, <laughs> when I have to write an article, like I watch it once and then I have to like keep talking about it. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. that's what my, my double speed thing is for, but like sometimes something really surprises me. Like I, I think I've probably mentioned it like once a week on Twitter and Instagram. Like I'm really into um, A-Pink's right now, like their percent percent song um I don't know what it's actually called in English Um, yeah we were trying to figure that out too we were like is it that or is it is it or is it percent like we were saying they're trying to look at the hangul um but yeah so like I really like that song and like that that really aside from the fact that like I enjoy the song itself it really made me feel like oh okay k-pop's not dead because of a pink who are like you know the cutest girliest kind of not boring but like everybody knows exactly what their mo is gonna be even if a pink can reinvent themselves with i'm sick and mm, like k-pop's never gonna be boring like 
Mm. We all thought we knew what A Pink was going to be. And A Pink right now is nothing what I would have said they were going to be two years ago. Um, and I guess that's always what gets me really excited. Like, even if I think like, oh, the rookie, the rookie race this year, everybody looks the same, like, oh, like whatever. Like it's never, it's never really going to be that way. You kind of just like have to be a little bit more open-minded, I guess. Um, when, when things feel that way, like right now I'm super overwhelmed by all the boy bands that are debuting and I'm just like, I need, I need to like, wait to see who gets like music. So <laughs> like, I know, I know names are being bandied about like people, someone tweeted at me last night, like, what do you think of ATs? And I like, literally, I was just like, I haven't watched any other variety show stuff. Like, I don't know anything about them except that everyone's talking about them and their music's pretty good, but like, they're brand new. I'm not going to bet my life and away on ATs being the next big thing just because we've like seen this before, but like they are pretty good. And I maybe like, I know friends of mine who would bet their life away on ATs being the next big thing, but like there's so much new stuff every single day. Mm. Like, I don't know. I guess that that might be what keeps me in is that I'm never bored. I hate being bored and K-pop <laughs> never boring. No, definitely not. There's so much there's so much turnover and so many new groups. It gets kind of overwhelming at times. So I completely yeah. understand that. Yeah. Um, what is the most exciting or just, just like relevatory moment you've had in your job? Like a moment maybe that you've been on assignment and like the fangirl has gotten to pop out or just <laughs> a moment that you were really proud of? Like, do you have that moment that like stands out to you? So I'm like a really serious human being. Like I, I'm, a, I'm a really boring person. So like I really, my friends always tell me that I'm like the worst interviewer. Cause like, I don't sound like I'm interested, even though I'm like sitting there like, this is the most interesting thing in the world. I did get interview one of my favorite bands last year. Um, and I got to, and like, I was going to walk out of the room and my friend was with me and she would like slap me. She was like, if you don't tell them right now that you've been like a fan since high school, like you're literally like going to regret this for the rest of your life. So mm. I went over and I, I said, like, I just wanted to tell you, like through my terrible Korean and like, thankfully the translator saw what was going on and came over and like their terrible English. And pretty much like the conversation was, I just want to let you know, I've been a big fan of yours since high school. And like, you really helped me through a lot of really dark moments in my life. And their response was, we could tell you were a fan because your questions were really, really good. And we hope that you interview us again soon. And like, that was like really wonderful because it doesn't matter. And that was BTS, right? <laughs> no, I wish. Oh, no. Um, no, uh, BTS and I had a really weird interaction. Um, that was, I don't, that was Super Junior. Um, they're like uh, old men. So like I've been into them since high school. BTS was came out when I was in college. BTS and my interaction was really weird um, for a lot of reasons, not because like anything of them, but pretty much I was the end of their day and like their PR person hadn't told them that they had an interview with me. So they gave me like five minutes and it was just, they wanted to be gone and I wanted to not be only having five minutes. They were really nice, um, but I had actually just stepped off the plane I'm Jewish and I had just stepped off the plane from like the the shiva which is like after the funeral there's like seven days of mourning that the immediate like the immediate family members like literally just sit in a house and talk to any visitor who comes and like gives them comfort so I had just came from like my grandfather's shiva that morning I had had like one hour of sleep because my flight there was a terrible disaster and I walked off the plane and thought I'm going to be talking to the biggest act probably of my entire career right now I'm gonna go get a blowout 
<laughs> that was like my response. My response was my granddad just died and I had to change my flight plans to do this interview. Like literally my editor was like, if you don't get this interview, your career is going to end. Um, which was like no pressure right after my like grandfather literally just passed away. And so I walked into this interview and it's like BTS's presence just made me forget everything. Like the world didn't suck anymore. I hadn't, I wasn't running on just like one hour of sleep. Like they just seemed really, even though like, even though like the PR person had like totally messed up on my for my end like for my purposes like they didn't seem at all annoyed that like they were being asked to like stay a few minutes longer because they had done like a bunch of interviews back to back and like mine was like tacked on they didn't seem to care at all they, they were just like sure of course we want to talk to you um one of them grabbed a chair for me when it's I think the previous person had been filming like a, a filming so like they had a camera there and like they realized there was nowhere for me to sit so one of the members grabbed me a chair. I think it was Jimin. It may have been J-Hope. Um, it may have been Jim now that I think about it. I'm trying to think of like who it, who was standing there. But honestly, I was just trying to like go through the questions in my head right before we started. And the next thing I noticed is one of the members of like the world's biggest boy band is giving me a chair. Wow, like that's so nice of him. Like I was just going to stand there. And they just like really made me comfortable and like forget, you know, what was going on outside of the building for like a few minutes. And then it like, we finished up pretty quickly and I don't know why this stuck with me I just remember them like standing there eating hamburgers for like a while as we were like <laughs> talking with like their PR rep or something and I just thought like they're really just a bunch of 20 something guys like they just want like to be done with work and have lunch like it was just really kind of funny <laughs> so and back to Super Junior you said when you spoke to them they were really like they said that they knew you were a fan because of the questions you asked and- I was so embarrassed because of that. Oh. <laughs> uh, I felt I always I like try to always keep a big distance between like my fangirl me like my friends will, at concerts will be like why aren't you cheering and I'm just like I don't want them to see me and think that they're like there's a huge pressure I think that I don't think other people feel like I'm just paranoid and stuff um like there's huge pressure in my brain for people not to know who I'm a fan of in the industry and fans because like you shouldn't like my job as a journalist is to be as unbiased as I possibly can be like mm-hmm. I don't want you to know that like if I happen to hate this person like there's absolutely nobody I hate in k-pop but like if there were I should be able to write about them like they are the best person in the world without anybody knowing that so like I think it's kind of kicked me in the butt sometimes because people think I'm so removed from things. Um, and like definitely gets the better of me sometimes because I not always, I can't always like calm myself when I'm really excited about something. Um, <laughs> but like one of my friends just said it to me the other day, she was just like, I wish that like everybody could just see you talking about like this album. Like I wish everyone could just see you doing X, Y, and Z because like the passion doesn't come through in your articles because you're, you're trying so hard to make sure that it doesn't. And like, I was just like, oh, I guess that's like a character flaw on my part because like I have this hard news background where like literally everything should just be facts. Like, um, like there should be no personality to anything that I was trained on because like, that's not what hard news should be. So this is something I've kind of struggled with is like, kind of like Mm -hmm. making things more intimate because I do entertainment journalism, not like... (laughs) Although I do think there is a place for it. I think especially with K-pop, things get so intimate at times Uh or too, too intimate. Like I think sometimes things cross the line, the border between fans and artists. It's good to have that distance. I think it's good to see someone that can be 
they can kind of step back from it <laughs> and look at it, you know, you know, like, oh, you know, Demon Wing did the cover. Oh my God, you know, and just, <laughs> you know, exclamation marks you know, everywhere. Like someone that can actually sit down and, okay, let's talk about the facts and what happened. And that's a good thing, I think. Um, and I think that also helps build trust, you know, with, you know, people feel like they can come to you and like, oh, you know, tomorrow we'll have the facts because she's, you know, a pro at her job and she obviously knows what she's doing. That's just like from an outsider's like perspective, but yeah. I hope that's how people feel. But like my biggest fear is like a company in Korea saying like, I, I don't know if it's because like I've just had it honed in my head that like women will be held to a different standard in like fandom communities that like you'll always be a fangirl. Um, like I don't ever tell anybody. Companies will ask me point blank all the time. Like, who's your favorite artist? And I will always tell them, like, I am not telling you my favorite artist. Like, I will mm. never tell you who my favorite Unjigir label is. Like, I have one friend who just happened to get hired by a company and she already knew, like, everything about me. And so she's making fun of me and she's just like, tell me which one's your favorite member and I'll get your autograph. And I'm just like, I'm not telling you. Like, this is not getting back to them. I don't want to, like, I've heard, like, not horror stories, but I've heard stories that made me feel so cringeworthy, like of people who end up working in the industry and walking into a room and like the person who like everybody knows is their favorite like K-pop idol is sitting in the room and is super uncomfortable. Like that is not no situation. I never want to make anyone uncomfortable with like mm. my feelings. Like I, I get like, obviously like this is all based on like fandom and everything, but like mm. this is my job at the end of the day. <laughs> which sounds like really yeah. like, I still find it like laughable when I'm like oh yeah I'm a k-pop writer like how can I say that but it's what I do yeah I mean you feel a very um well like read like niche like there's a lot of people wanting to read what you write nowadays so that's I just as so. valid as any other <laughs> but um yeah, that's really interesting. As far as K-pop is concerned, since you've been following it for so long, what are your feelings about K-pop being accepted in the mainstream? Do you feel that it is on its way to being accepted in the mainstream? And I guess the increased awareness of it, how does that make you feel as a longtime fan? Or do you, do you think it's being like accepted more? Honestly, I don't know, because for, like, a lot of reasons based on history and, like, what we're seeing right now, I like, part of me thinks, like, yes, it it will be part of the mainstream. It is being accepted. It is a thing that will continue happening. But because when we're talking about the mainstream, like, we're talking about America and primarily, and America is racist. Um, so I don't really know, like, how far K-pop could go without like with these limitations like there are limitations on being mm -hmm. asian entertainers in in america and asian entertainers who don't speak english mm -hmm. so i mean that's that's why so many k-pop companies for so long thought you kind of have to release english language music you have to have english language speakers to be successful in the states and and even like we always talk about how bts is so successful but even bts like rm is still the forefront of everything that bts is is in the u.s like if people know bts's name they know rm's name before they like if they're not a fan like they know maybe rm's name they don't know all seven um it's it's a, like the the two biggest things that i always compare it to k-pop to in the u.s um are the b are um is metal uh k-pop has a huge following like when we're talking about the mainstream we're just talking about like 
mainstream attention. But K-pop mm-hmm. has a huge following in the U.S. There are concerts, there's fandom, there's communities, um, and metal is very similar to that. Like even if it's not very popular and you're not talking about it every day on the radio and whatever, mm-hmm. uh, the, the audience is mm-hmm. still there and the communal aspect is still there. Um, so that's kind of where K-pop is in my mind. Like if you look at metal's history of popularity, it kind of can be compared to that, except you're coming with this totally other race race based element um, and, mm-hmm. and foreign based element, um, and then like to go on top of that, you have the Beatles who honestly, like there is a reason people are comparing the Beatles to uh, BTS to the Beatles. Like for so many reasons, like I literally could go on for hours about why BTS are similar to the Beatles um, and also why they're not. But the Beatles didn't have to convince the audience to listen to their song and, and B- BTS and any, but any other Korean artist who comes over has to do that because you have to convince people to listen to Korean. Um, I mean, there's, it, it was really interesting to me last year that um, NCT 127, like they released regular in English first. I, it, it seemed to me like just like planning happened to make it that happen, that it came out in English first. But like they still, at SM, somebody had a conversation was, you know, even though BTS is doing so well, like the average American is still not going to go probably listen to a whole song in Korean or mostly in Korean. Like that, that old, like, people talk about it a lot like wow like everyone's making waves like latin music korean music but latin music is popular partially because there's already a built-in audience like spanish Mm -hmm. is is huge like everybody Mm -hmm. speaks spanish in the u.s at this point well i wish everybody spoke spanish in the u.s at this point um Mm -hmm. but k-pop like korean I, i actually just looked this up and i think it's like one of the i think it might be the 13th most spoken language in the world according to a recent survey that i read which which personally felt really hugely high for me um Mm. but whatever it is it's like one of the top 20 most spoken languages in the world Mm. but even so like the average person i just happened to be sitting in the car tonight and playing a bts album and my mom was just sitting there like i have no idea what's happening like the average (laughs) person needs to be and i'm just sitting there like uh, i was listening to a most beautiful moment in life part two and i was just like listen to william 52 it's so gorgeous like it's so wonderful and she's just like okay like i'm like but my city's so interesting because they're in satori and she's like i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) Um, like the average person needs to still be convinced so when we talk about Mm -hmm. like it's it's, I wouldn't say it's only the media because obviously there's a huge sizable following interested in BTS and then also like the other audiences of K-pop in the US um, that are connected but a little bit different. But like when we're talking about breaking into the mainstream, I, I don't know like how long or how far it can go because of the language, like this barrier. Like, yes, the digital age is bringing other people to other music, but like how many how many of your friends are just like, Oh yeah, I love watching Bollywood movies. Like I love listening to Bollywood. Like honestly, like I do have some friends who are, but like mm-hmm. that's not something that that's attraction lasts because at the end of the day, like the average person doesn't, you know, I wouldn't say they don't have the time of day um, to like watch a music video, but in the US, radio play is still big. Like people will listen to music like driving in their cars always. Like I'm from New York and so like I don't really get radio because I don't, I haven't listened to the radio like intensely in like half a decade since I started never being in a car. But for most of America, everyone spends their day in their car. They're the average American needs to be convinced that they can, that they need to not listen to a language that they speak and understand and that it's still beautiful music. And 
I mean, I personally, I think that's really bigoted viewpoint mm. like, that even saying that like people need to be convinced because like classical music was around for hundreds of years and nobody was ever like, oh yes, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> like it's just music's music. And, and even if you don't understand like the words, the music is still understandable. Like you can still feel the emotions in, in, in singers, um, in singers like verses even when you don't understand the, the exact meaning i mean honestly most like songs on the radio you're not getting every you know bar for, like you're not like singing along perfectly to every single song like that's just not how music works but i think that that is a huge barrier to k-pop's ascent further into the mainstream um but we are seeing that barrier broken down so like i'm a really pessimistic person but i'm also like want to say like even though i'm really pessimist i'm still a little bit optimistic i just like I, I'm like the weather person who's like, it's probably not going to be a snow day tomorrow, but maybe it will be <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, that's kind of where I, how I approach life. <laughs> um, what is your, I know you said you don't usually mention your favorite or least favorite K-pop artist, but do you have any that are kind of like legend in your mind or any that you fondly remember that say have disbanded, like some that you listen to, you know, when you first started listening to K-pop, that you could be like, oh, you know, these are like, you know, or what, you know, other than like Super Junior, maybe some, uh, another group that's on that level for you. So, I mean, there, there is one, I mean, I was talking about this stuff before. I just try not to like emphasize it. Um, mm-hmm. Like the other group that I, I'm quite blatant and actually promoting because it's stupid um <laughs> that uh infinite's the chaser is still not on apple music and i tweet about this like <laughs> once a month and like people know that i'm mad about this but i don't think people realize that like um like i, I went to like one of their concerts um in korean stuff and i definitely consider myself a fan because they're just really 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 talented like i don't know if you guys are have seen like there's a meme going on on twitter right now that's like but does your boy band like do x y and z um and like people were people were doing like really good vocal like belts from soloists and people like there was a thread of literally just people responding to other infinite fans with like their lives where like their audio went out because they're just really supremely talented like they could have put out an acapella album i kind of wish they had put out an acapella album um (laughs) but like their career had a lot of issues with it that was really i like could go on for like hours about (laughs) that that, like maybe a competitor may have maybe bought out infinite's company to try and keep them from being a big competitor to their own acts and it's i don't want to say any names because i work with them but like I have like theories about this um obviously I can't prove anything and nothing ever came out of it but like the industry is very very weird and I'm sorry that Infinite's career kind of uh spiraled downwards after a while but like mm-hmm. they're they're still together like they just um they're about to release a new single Clock which they previewed a little bit and it's just like a nice ballad like they're just like I often see people talking about like synchronized dance moves and I'm always just sitting there like my little like college age tomorrow being like uh but the scorpion dance and before the dawn like that was like the real like OG of all this stuff um they're like I there's nobody I don't know the other day I was talking to somebody about M Black and like somebody was overhearing us and had no idea who M Black was and we were just like oh that's really sad like um I get, uh, another another group I really like um, which is like so interesting uh, is is highlight, which is formerly known as Beast, and like I don't think the average international K-pop fan knows that they're still around, and like 
pretty big in Korea still, like mm-hmm. really big in Korea still. But like, I don't know people who like. I'm definitely more entrenched in like the groups that came out in like 2000 between 2008 and 2000 and like 12 or like my era of groups like um brown eyed girls I'm so excited they're having a comeback like yeah girls generation generations like little touch like uh yeah last year I was so excited I was like we're still getting girls generation stuff um I was like devastated when four minute and miss a like said that they were done I'm really hoping that Tiana like pulls through and like has her career back um the, I don't know the the new groups like it's it's like kind of silly but like every group now they're not on the same level like there are definitely groups that I'm like interested in there are ones that I'm less interested in like somebody asked me recently I did an AMA for Forbes and someone was like um like I asked to name like groups that I have my eyes on and someone pointed out that I didn't say twice and it was just like you know twice's like cutesy image which like the girl they recently expressed I think an interview like last week they were like we don't know if everyone's gonna like our cutesy image forever and I was just like their cutesy image just doesn't do it for me. I love their songs and seeing them before live gives me so much joy because I've seen them a bunch of times at KCON. But like, it's just like not my MO. I guess I have too much like darkness in my heart or something. Like, <laughs> um, like give me Red Velvet's Bad Boy and like Blackpink, but like Twice's like, um, like Yes or Yes, like really, really cute. And I actually really loved their styling. And like, this isn't to say I don't like girl groups. Like I'm kind of a, like mentioned a pink song um, like I'm addicted to it I'm a really big girl group fan also but um but something about like twice is like cheery perky is like it's just like I have too much darkness in my soul for this like I, I need you to go back to like Lake Ua and give me some like sexiness a little bit um just because like I think even they kind of want that now based on like some of their performances and what they've said but Maybe NC will be more your speed. They look like they're a little bit on the edgy. I'm hoping for like the Miss A to like Twice's, I guess, distance, distant relation to Wonder Girls. They're not really like Wonder Girls, but I always think of that Miss A Wonder Girls dichotomy. And I'm like, I want another, like, I really what I want is another Miss A. So I'm just yeah. hoping maybe NC will be like that kind of like, other you know end of the spectrum that we get to twice so yeah I I agree with you I kind of hope that happens but I also like I do like what they do it's just like I don't know how many how many times can you cheer me up like (laughs) they are like the official cheerleaders of Korea at this point they are it's so cute (laughs) I do love them I don't know I yeah they're really fun I don't know. I want them to come. I want them to have a tour. Like everybody else is touring, and I'm just like, bring. I'm shocked that they have not had some sort of. I mean, I can kind of see why. I guess because maybe people don't think there is. I would. I my whole thing is maybe I felt like maybe they hadn't come to the West yet because maybe their whole style and vibe is just more like it's just more attuned to like Japan and that kind of like kind of what they like as opposed to you know, we don't really do the cutesy girl group thing here. So maybe they feel like that would be, it. you know, they wouldn't sell that many tickets or, I don't know, oh, my girl just yeah, no. had a small concert here. So I feel yeah. like that they would have some sort of audience. Oh, oh my girl was a whole other issue. Well, I, <laughs> I did hear some things about that. We will get to that later. But yeah. <laughs> as you're writing, I'm sure, like, you have, social media and everything and you 
talk, get to know people in the different fandoms or at least research from afar. Do you, are, how involved in the fandom at all are you with, you know, like armies or XOLs, et cetera? The way I approach it is, it's like anything else. Like I'm a big fan of like, um, like I'm just, I have a, a podcast called Nice Jewish Fan Girls where we just talk about like sci-fi and fantasy stuff all the time. I'm just like a big fan oriented human being so I kind of approach it like everything else where like um like I have a Twitter account but I don't use it use it as like this is my business persona like this is just me like if you want to be my friend you can be my friend um I if you if I see you talking about something that I want to be talking about I'll talk with you I tend to like lurk um I never like I'm never like gonna reshare ever like a picture of somebody looking like really damn good um, even though I definitely will think it and send it to like a bunch of friends. I have a lot of like group chats. Like I, I kind of get my like stand out <laughs> in like <laughs> in, like a quiet place because like it doesn't it doesn't have to like affect things. Like once in a while, like I'll like interact with fandoms and like really funny. I'll like try to be funny, but I'm really not a funny human being way. Like um like last was it two weeks ago now? Like it was really <laughs> this was like bizarre. Um I tweeted <laughs> like I'm really entertained by Monster X's young one and how like he's become a meme. Because, like, I, I study, like, fandom personally is, like, part of my life. Um, and, like, I just think it's phenomenal how, like, he has, like, <laughs> transcended as, like, a human being to just become, like, a living meme. So, like, it was his birthday and it was trending. So, like, I, like, did, like, a stupid little tweet, like, happy birthday to our meme overlord. And, like, somebody from Monster X's team retweeted it. And like, <laughs> that has never happened before. Like I've had like, like articles retweeted or something. And this, I did actually like uh, attach like an old article to it. So they did retweet that also like an interview he had done, but like, I don't know who did it. Like I, I was texting like a friend of mine who works with them sometimes. And I was like, can you please ask them like, which one of them retweeted this was like this him or was like this one of them trolling him like because it, it, it was funny but like it was just kind of like ridiculous um <laughs> like I was I was literally like one of my friends screenshotted it and she had it she didn't know that I had seen it like five seconds before and I was literally sitting there at my desk like what just happened why are my tweets blowing up like what's going on um I, I don't I really I think that fandom like bring people together into like in the best ways but fandom like anonymity like the anonymity of social media kind of gives fandom a lot of power in both good and bad ways and like I have other journalists friends of mine who like agreed like yes we like writing about this one group because their fans like are the nicest people like they just like are so grateful for like anything like even like even the big groups like there are groups where their fans we like in newsrooms like people will say to me like, oh, I don't like writing about that group. Like I've gotten emails like, you wrote the wrong, like, I don't even know, like really, really random things. Like somebody, and I probably shouldn't say this, um, <laughs> but like um, with Tiffany Young, there's been like a lot of sensitivity. Like I've gotten so many other journalists emailing me, like how do I talk about her relationship with Girls' Generation? Cause like Sones are very intent that Tiffany is still a part of Girls' Generation. Um, and that she is also, I mean, like Tiffany says she's in girls generation, like she's not under SM, but to, from my understanding is, is that Tiffany is still, will always be a member of girls generation. And like anybody who says they're still in girls generation is a member of girls generation, but the phrasing has been like a big contentious point and journalists have been like super caught off guard by the response, which is like one of my friends who's an editor, like sent me like an email she got and she's like, 
I know it's just one person, like other people on social media were super nice, but this person sent us like a 10 page document telling us exactly why and who Tiffany is and why we have to go change this like sentence where we may have sort of implied that like she's done with girls generation. And, and like that sort of like fervent passion is really, really great when put to not harassing like editors who literally don't know anything about K-pop. Like I definitely get a lot of flack and like, nine times out of ten like I think if if it's valid I'm really happy to listen to you like I always say when someone like tells me like you have a typo or something like I just sit there like cursing how journalism doesn't have enough time of day nowadays to make sure that there aren't typos Mm -hmm. um but like thank you so much for telling me like thank you for correcting me like I want to learn like I'm learning on the job just as much as like anybody else is learning on the job like that's why we advance in our careers and like it's like um I mean like I'm not like an entry-level anymore but like I'm still not you know like the head of head of, the head of the company um and I, there's still so much to learn and like I want I want people to tell me when like I've done something wrong and like it it sucks and and because fandom is so big nowadays like it sucks when like a lot of people are telling you that something's wrong but like there are times when people are telling you you're wrong and you're wrong and there are times when people are telling you wrong and you're right and um I try to really keep those two things in mind because like I know my job you don't like need to be telling me my job like I'm probably gonna get in trouble for this but you can keep this on the record but like one time um there were some death threats against Jimin right before one of the BTS tours and like the LAPD were investigating and people got really mad that we wrote an article for Billboard that the LAPD were investigating these death threats against like Jimin and personally like I was just sitting there like this is news like I'm not a PR person like I actually don't know what to tell you right now that like the person who you have a lot of feelings for who is like a really really talented human being someone is threatening their life and you don't want people to recognize that that's something wrong like you don't want attention like that's where I was coming from from the fans perspective it was totally like don't talk about this because if you give them like attention they'll you know uh, the like a whole theory about like murderers like about social media murderers is that they want attention mm-hmm. um like if people mm-hmm. who threats and stuff um but like the thing was we weren't reporting like look at this instagram person who said x y and z like we were reporting you know basic facts like the lapd is investigating there will be security um and that's like that was probably like the most shocking moment of my career was where i realized so thoroughly how different not not I know my job is different. Like my experience as a fan is very different from the average fan experience at this point. Like I don't like get upset about award shows. Like people are always asking me to report on award shows. And like, honestly, like award shows in Korea are literally nothing I care about. Cause like they're, they're not real. Like <laughs> some of them are and awards are still awards. And like, they work so hard that every single person who wins an award deserves an award. Um, like regardless if they've been around for like a decade or regardless if they've been around for like one day, like there's so much hard work going on from the people in front of the camera, the people behind the camera, like everybody deserves every award, but there's like 70 award shows and every single award show, not everybody can attend. And like an award show is not going to be good if people are just like, oh, they're also not here. So let's go on to the next award um, and give it to somebody who was also not here. So like, it's just like at a certain point, like my, I, I like will tell my editors at Billboard, like I'm not going to write a, uh, this person won this award I'm gonna write a piece on like look at these really great performances because at the end of the day like that's what we're all celebrating Mm -hmm. um 
but like for fans the awards like they want to trend everything and they want to make sure every single person wins everything and like yes the awards are important because they're showing how people recognize an artist's like talent and stuff but at the same time like if if like they're good then we're going to recognize it anyway um and like I've never thought like, oh, this award went to the wrong person because I mean, I've thought like I've looked at categories before of Korean award shows and been like, really? Like that's who you're going for? Like what is the purpose of this? Like there have been some really weird times when like they're just like, oh, we're gonna put like a vocal group into like the the boy band dance category because like we know nobody else is gonna show up to this little rinky dinky award show, um, and like that always just like makes me kind of feel sad for them but like they still deserve it like everybody is working so hard but yeah it's like such a funny experience for me as like a journalist where I'm just like some some things are news and some things that like you don't like (sighs) but like at the end of the day the fans fans don't want news fans want PR so Mm -hmm. if group isn't going to match their perception of the band like I know that many people and many fandoms don't like how I tell news because I'm not going to bullshit arrest. Sorry, I don't know if you guys can curse. Like, I'm not going to say something that isn't true. And if I don't think that uh, somebody deserves attention, like, I'm not going to talk about it because why would it, like, like, (laughs) there are times when there are topics of contention that fans think needs to be the number one thing talked about. And there are times when I definitely agree with them. And there are times when, even when I agree with them, I can't write for, like, work purposes. Like, um, like I was explicitly told that an article I wrote about Sonny's like uh, sexism stuff, feminist stuff, whatever you want to call it last year. Like uh, we had to run it through the legal team and the legal team was just like, um, we know that this is what happened and we know that everybody knows this is what happens, but you can't write it this way for X, Y, and Z reasons because like you just can't. Um, right. And that was like heartbreaking. Um, and like the fact that Sonny's still on TV, I was like, great. Um and, and like, this is coming after, like, I just interviewed him last year and he seemed like a perfectly normal guy, but I'm not really such a fan of him anymore. And, and I still want him to definitely apologize. Um, but, but the average Twitter fan, like so many times we see things trending, like such big deal. And like half of those things are big deals. Many of those things are big deals, but so much of the time, like, um, I'm just like sitting there like, is this really a, a big newsworthy thing? Like I only have so many hours in my day to write articles and like I get emails in my inbox maybe like at least once a day of someone saying this big newsworthy thing happened. And even reading that is taking time from reporting on something else. And like, I'm definitely not a, I'm just one person. And like, definitely there are so many stories that we're missing and so many stories that aren't getting coverage in English mm-hmm. language media. Cause like just, there's so much going on right now, thankfully. But like, there are so many times when people are just like saying to me, go coverage this, go cover this, go cover this, go cover this. And sometimes like, it's not even that like, it's, it's not a story. There are times when like, they're so flat out wrong. Like today, this actually just happened today where like, if I were to report on it, not only would I know that fans would attack me, but fans would attack other fans. And I'm not going to start a fan war because people thought that the story is one thing and they were wrong. Like, <laughs> like I, I really, think that a lot of times fans need to like I love fandom and I love interacting with fandom and like I like I said I have like group chats where literally I'm just like sending like really stupid fandom memes like (laughs) whenever people like find out that like a k-pop star knows about like twitter memes or instagram memes or stuff and like they're freaked out like I think it's the funniest thing in the world because like definitely everybody is on social media and everybody is watching their fans and like they're like having fun like maybe bts is too busy but like 
that's because I just don't think they sleep at this point. Um, but like other other idols and other people in the industry know exactly what fans are talking about on social media, and like mm-hmm. they see it. And when I hear from them that their image of fans matches mine, whatever it is, like I always feel really validated. I'm like, yes, I know how to read social media just as you well as you do. Um, wait, there was a point there. Oh, so yeah, so like nine times out of ten, like things that fans make big deals out of become big deals because fans make big deals out of them and like they are literally not big deals like I don't know how to express this enough but there have been so many times that I've been like talking to an editor who's like so we need to report on this because like it's a social media thing and social media trends definitely like help news get known nowadays but they're just like but I don't understand why this was even trending in the first place and the, the, the reason that things are trending is because the fans really care and really are passionate about these things but because fandom has gotten to this point where like the trend is worthwhile like it kind of shifts the news stories and I think that that like as somebody who like is watching this both from like my background as a fan and like from a time when social media wasn't as prevalent among fans and now as like a journalist like I think it's so fascinating like I see not so irregularly people being like okay like block these like words so that journalists can't find you because we don't want them to know that we're like streaming in mass or something like I think that's the funniest thing in the world that people think that like we don't know that you're streaming in mass like everybody on the entire planet knows that k-pop fans stream in mass like Beyonce fans do it Ariana Grande fans do it like it's not a secret um and like the fact that you're like trying to like hide things from like we're gonna find it anyway um if it's a story it's gonna probably especially about fandom it's gonna be told like nine times out of ten when I see people criticizing like why aren't you talking about x y and z i'm not talking about x y and z because i'll either get fired um or or we'll never ever ever get access for something mm-hmm. or actually there's a third one the third one is is that it will like tie into perceptions in the u.s about or just like the western world about what k-pop is or isn't and like that sounds really bad but like there have been so many times when i've had editors email me like things like can we talk about like how it's like a factory system and how like there's no originality and I literally have to spend like a good hour of my day crafting an email like I think this is kind of like not really okay to say and mm-hmm. have to not call them out for like kind of racist intentions there like describing like mm-hmm. women as robots and stuff is really not cool um and like I just think that a lot of times, like, I know, I know in your email, you said you wanted to talk about, like, some of the recent, um, like, conversations that have been happening about appropriation, and, like, so many people are always just, like, oh, Tamar's a white girl, she's not going to talk about that, I mean, aside from the fact that I'm not the person to talk about that, because that's not my experience as a human, um, but, like, we can't talk about that, because if, if it were to become a thing, literally, every single K-pop company would just start suing, like, any outlet that's tried to report on that, like, the idea, like, that one article can bring down a, an industry could happen with K-pop. And like, I, I don't think that like any single journalist should ever have that power. Mm. That is at the same time, the power of journalism. Um, mm. And I don't think we're in like a state where like, that's a threat. Like nobody's, people are always like, Oh, like what's going to like affect BTS's career. And like, honestly, at this point I have no idea. Like, I think that they've gone through so much many hardships and still kind of like risen out of them like a phoenix that like nothing is gonna like deal with them but like the one thing that could do it is like somebody just like writing like i don't know like a cover piece that's just like the person everything is factually correct but the perspective is is this is all 
like I don't know it's kind of like I don't know if anybody's been following the Marie Kondo stuff yeah like it's so like if you're aware of it everything Mm -hmm. about it is like about we don't want this like Japanese woman telling us what to do Mm -hmm. Uh, like there is like a, a racial like kind of like I heard someone even compare it like to like World War II like Japan's our enemy and I'm just like it's Marie Kondo but okay um like if somebody were to try like people have texted me before like um there's a white supremacist in your like comments like do you maybe not want them to talk about k-pop and why k-pop is like racist and bad like it is my biggest fear on the planet that like a certain president will like lash out against k-pop like Mm. like that's the sort of thing i've been like really rambly but i guess that's the end of the day is like i think that something that inadvertently pushes that like look at k-pop like whenever whenever an editor is like you know i like the word like k-pop is dominating the charts and i'm always just like um do we really want to put that because i'm sure there's gonna be somebody in the comment section is like they're not that's so like non like america like kick them out and like we do get so many like so many people commenting on our on twitter on like billboard's twitter account like really racist shit like i don't i mute it a lot because i just it's not my job i'm not a social media person um but it's kind of terrifying how fast k-pop has like attracted this these these like racist andies um and that's something that i don't know if every single person in the fans like just going back to your question like the fan community is seeing like fans are from my experience nine times out of ten they're fighting with each other um it's like really it makes me like really want to just like give everyone hugs like i like you guys like these aren't really like these are serious things and like i too was like once a very intense fan and wanted everybody to win everything and i wanted everybody to like do their best and i didn't want other people i don't know if i never wanted other people to do their best because i was always kind of like into everything um but like whenever i see people fighting and i'm just like can we not like you know like cheer on everybody like be twice cheer up everybody um (laughs) but I don't think a lot of fans are aware of like not the conversations that are being had among fans and conversations among fans are really kind of making things better for in so many ways like I don't know there was a conversation recently about um like a tv show in Korea that was really weird and really inappropriate and it became a thing because fans made it a thing yeah Hello Counselor. Yeah, yeah, Hello Counselor show. Um, I'm not sure, like, part of me was watching this and, like, this is really great. And part of me was watching this and, like, people in Korea are not going to be happy that, that like, foreign fans are dictating what should be on Korean TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I didn't see so much backlash. I'm not even sure what ended up happening in Korea. I never, I wasn't, um, I didn't have a chance to, like, check the if it was getting any news coverage in Korea. But something like that, the reverse is also, like, happening where people aren't seeing certain situations like right now um like there's been there's a lot of times unfortunately when like small lesser known acts something bad happens to them like we just don't have the bandwidth at billboard to cover and so like i'll I'll get told like if it becomes bigger you can cover that but like right now 18 um is a boy band where like it seems there are allegations that like uh, uh their female ceo may have sexually harassed six out of the 10 members of the boy band Mm-hmm. um and like i haven't seen people talking about that a lot and um sometimes i'm not sure if it's because just like 
and I'm, I'm not saying that like this is anybody's fault, um, but certain influencers in fandom spaces, like when they pick up a story and when they pick up an angle that really becomes the narrative among fandoms, especially K-pop fandoms, and when that narrative isn't being told, like, like when we started, like you kind of were talking about how my job as a journalist is like an influencer, but right now, K-pop influencers are probably even more influential. Like I don't assume the average K-pop fan knows my name. Mm -hmm. I assume that the average K-pop fan knows certain big YouTubers' names. Um, mm -hmm. I know I'm. I know that they do. Um, I I assume that people know like Nezimbas, um, and lesser less people know like Asian Junkie or something. Um, but these influencers are really driving the narrative of like what k-pop fans care about and i think that's fascinating but as a journalist my job isn't always to do that because at the end of the day this is still a job so even though like i try mm -hmm. to if there's a story sometimes if there are stories that people see me like tweeting about um that i haven't covered that are like very intense um it's probably because i got told no you can't cover that for whatever reasons whether it's like we don't have the bandwidth bandwidth or like legal nine times out of ten for like stories like 18 one or um east light we're told we can't report on it until like the court case is done because you really don't know how it's going to be like handed about and the, the east light one had some really weird stuff so i'm still not sure how that's going to end up going um and like i it sounds like it's a lot of excuses of like why am I not covering these things um, but the reason is because sometimes like I don't have all the facts and when fans are saying this is the facts I can't validate it that way mm -hmm. so there are there are so many times when like my editors like this is a story that we're seeing trending but we don't really know like um we don't really know what's going on here but like one circumstance where we were able to check this was one of the writers of a BTS song misspoke during an AMA and said that one of the songs went platinum um, and it trended worldwide. <laughs> like everyone was like, army was cheering on that this song went platinum or gold. I don't remember what it was. If it was gold or platinum, but that the song did like got um, certified. And like she had misspoke, and she was not correct. Um, and my editors emailed me like, "Why aren't you writing about this?" And I'm just sitting there like, "It's not right on like the site." But we were getting like bombarded for like not even like a day, but like for a week after, like, why didn't you report on this? This is big news. And it's just like the fandom experience, we can't always have the same experience as you, which is really kind of crappy sometimes, like so many times, like where I just want to sit there and be like, you don't know what journalism's reality is. Um, you don't know what my experience, like so many people think that I don't know anything about K-pop. And like, whenever there's an issue, people are just like, she knows nothing. She doesn't speak any Korean. And I'm just sitting here like, um, I mean, I speak terrible Korean, but I understand Korean and I'm not going to just sit here doing my job because I don't know what I'm doing. Like people aren't paying me the not so big bucks um, to do my job. Like the assumption that any journalist who's writing about K-pop doesn't know what they're talking about is uh, false, especially nowadays. Like nowadays when I see an article, if I don't know the person, like if I have never met the person who writes the article, mm -hmm. I get really weirded out because nine times out of 10, it's like, people who I know pretty well who are writing about K-pop because it's a really small world and we're all they're all really pretty cool people like mm -hmm. everybody's a really good good fun person who writes about K-pop okay great well 
Before we get into the news and rumors and whatnot, I understand you'll be here for the rest of the podcast. So yay! Um, I really want to hear what you have to say about a few of these stories or whatever you can say. And um, we will start off right off the bat with a couple of interesting pieces of news that just dropped in the last day or so. So first of all, um, news broke that BTS will be attending 2019 61st Grammy Awards, and they will be the first K-pop idol group to be in attendance at the prestigious awards ceremony. Um, they are not performing, but they will be presenting an award. That award has not been announced yet. And of course, they are nominated for one for Best Recording Package with their album art director, Husky Fox, for Love Yourself Tear. Um, then the second piece of big news is Blackpink is going to make their American Morning Show debut on Good Morning America next week. They are performing live in studio at Times Square on the show on Tuesday, February 12th. And of course, this will be the first time that Blackpink has appeared on an American morning show. So we kind of touched on this a bit before in the interview, and we've definitely discussed this issue on the show numerous, numerous times um, as far as um, groups coming and getting their American push. As far as Blackpink, YG is really pushing them hard. Um, They're using Universal, using the connections. My whole thing with Blackpink is SM had connections too. And I just, there's a part of me that feels that they're going to really be at a disadvantage as a girl group. I mean, we talked about Little Mix. I've been waiting for them to break stateside for like a million years. And I feel like there's definitely a thing with boy groups where they amass so many fans and so many female female fans in such a short amount of time. And I don't know that Blackpink has that, has the ability to benefit from what BTS's fans have done in the same way. Um, You know, we talked about that barrier that's there with, with race, with the language, with all of that. And BTS's fans, I feel like, kind of help them rise above that. Um, I'm not saying that Blackpink can't, but I do think they are coming at this with a disadvantage. Um, that being said, maybe they'll, you know, blow everyone's wigs off when they perform on Good Morning America. But I do think that they are, I do think that there's, they're going to have to work harder for it. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I feel okay. First and foremost, I don't want to give armies any credit for anything. So um, I'm not speaking for Ash, but I'm not giving armies any credit for anything. But (laughs) (laughs) I will give them credit for that one thing. They helped make, I mean, their force. I mean, they want BTS to get noticed. They get noticed. So I will yeah, give them that's that. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, I, however, I just don't want to um, feed their egos. Uh, <laughs> that being said, um, 
the whole black paint situation i actually feel a little differently about it i mm-hmm. think that there is room for a for girl groups in general more so than boy groups and the reason why is because you you made the like i know we talk about it a lot how boy groups have these huge followings but i think the distinction comes from how they're perceived in society i think in general groups sort of in the west are perceived a certain way if they're not of a certain era like if you're you know not from like the 80s and prior it's kind of like oh that's a boy band that's just a girl brand you know kind of like that i think it's worse for boys though i don't think it's as bad for women i think that you won't be looked at as like corny (laughs) you know what i mean like Mm. you won't have people looking at you like you're they'll i don't know i won't say there's a more of a level of respect but in a sense there kind of is like artistically there's more of a level of respect that being said like you said little mix hasn't hasn't (laughs) which may be partially little mix's problem but yeah that's another thing too like look at fifth harmony i know they're not you know fifth harmony but as individual pieces well as you know, Camila Cabello and, and Normani, like they have some, you know, uh, success, right? Sort of. You can make that argument. Um, so maybe that is just a little mix problem. Um, that being said, I think the biggest barrier to entry for Blackpink is their music. Or, I mean, I just, Lack I think of. that. <laughs> well, that, but also like the fact that I feel like. Like we like, like Tamar mentioned earlier, um, K-pop is sort of its own little thing. Like it's, uh, it's like a sub, it's a subculture. Like you know, metal and things like that. K-pop, in very many ways, is just pop music in Korean. But there is a quality to a lot of K-pop music that uh, blends even like J-pop. And and you can look at like Red Velvet's recent releases or Twice's whole career to kind of see that. Like you see the elements of J-pop and the sort of, like we talk about that 8-bit sound and it sounds like, you know, you're playing a video game when you're listening <laughs> to a song, right? Or it sounds mm-hmm. like it's made for um, just like, Fun and sunshine. Mm. Obviously, Blackpink's angle isn't that, but their music does like sound distinctly like I would just classify as K-pop. If that if that makes sense, like I, I can't classify it any other way. It doesn't. It's not like BTS. It's definitely so what's many- not. It's definitely I would say is not what's trending right yeah. now. Like on American radio. Yeah, like BTS has songs that like. Like, I always go back to Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Um, It's a song that I feel like had crossover appeal. Even to NCT with regular, obviously they did it in English. But it was a song that sounded like what people were listening to in America at that time. I think that Blackpink has, generally speaking, their catalog, first and foremost, 90% of it came before, like, came years ago. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, You can't even call it really a catalog because there's, like, five or six songs. Um, I think it's nine. The count, I think, is at nine. Nine, right? Now. Nine. That, <laughs> it might be 12. I think it's nine. It's either nine or 12, but whatever it is, it's like get new music. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how many years has it been? And I just have a full album of like tracks. If Chris Brown can do 42 songs on an album, Blackpink can do like a 16 track album and like a full album that's new that they release now instead of doing and and i get doing all this promo but like release something so that you can promote instead of promoting things that are like years old 
or promoting your most recent thing, which was really short and kind of left people feeling like, okay, you did da da da, but what is, where's everything else? Like, you know what I mean? That's why I feel like it's going to be kind of another issue because they didn't really say, I mean, they didn't say what they're going to be performing. And I assume it's going to be one of their tracks. And I don't know, do they, I can't remember, do they have the English version of any of their tracks? Um, I mean, they have Kiss and Makeup with Dua Lipa. Oh, yes, they have that. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I assume they were going to be doing do do do. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, this is the thing. You're pushing them out there. I mean, you're not pushing out them out there with an English song. I mean, I feel like with SM, one of the problems they had when, especially when they did on their whole blitz with Girls' Generation, was there was like, there's no context there. I feel like they were just, you know, let's put them out there. Let's put them on, you know, Kelly and whomever it was that, at that time let's put them on um you know david letterman and there's no they perform a korean song and there's no context as to who they are what they're about you know where we're from you know i remember when they were on letterman there was you know this message word that went on was you know it was a gaming word and so it was completely different set of of people like other than k-pop fans and i remember just kind of checking it to see what people said like after Letterman and they were like um what's going on they're like why are all these girls on here like you know and then the usual kind of you know pseudo racist stuff they look alike you know what is you know why do they all sound that kind of thing and it didn't help that they just kind of put them out there now I don't know if YG has something a little more complicated in mind I mean he's definitely got the you know the strings to pull but i just think i feel like that's the thing with a lot of these companies i don't know tomorrow if you can speak to this at all if you have any knowledge as far as how they go especially with bts now have they're thinking about going about promoting um you know they don't you know they thought before oh we can't promote in america because of the language barrier and Yes, I mean, there's a whole new group of fans now that are willing to listen to mu- to the music without it being in their, you know, mother language. But if you're trying to really gain success and, you know, have this westward expansion and everything, you need to communicate, I feel like, at least in prior instances before, like Wonder Girls and Girls' Generation and some other people that have tried, there hasn't really been a sense where I feel like they've really tried to, I guess, like they've had a full like plan. I mean, even BTS, they didn't really go into this planning for it to happen. It just kind of happened. Um, I don't know what I just said, but tomorrow, <laughs> um, but I, I guess my question for you is, um, do you have any insight into how maybe at all, how these companies are, like now especially are looking are are they going into this with a strategy or a plan of any kind or they're just thinking oh bts made it so now we can go in and make it too you know um so i mean personally i have no idea like what the long-term plan is um like i know i'm assuming that they're i mean between this and coachella and like they're going to be in town for fashion week so i assume they're going to go to some fashion shows and like they're going to have a tour hopefully they haven't announced it yet um like the stateside tour like it does sound like they're gonna try to keep keep bringing them here at least for like the time being which is honestly a good thing because that's exactly what bts did and that's kind of how bts got their leg in the door was 
the fact that they kept on putting on concerts here um, didn't hurt them. Um, but I think that the context maybe that BTS was lacking was like the the the, the knowledge of what K-pop is for mainstream audiences and for Blackpink. Um, not only do they have like coming off of that like awareness that grew last year with BTS, um, but they also they do have two English speakers. Um, and I, I do say two just because I happen to speak to them and Lisa's like I know people are always talking about like Lisa's English and does she or does she not speak English from my understanding like Lisa spoke in, in the interview during, in Korean so I assume that's what she'll continue doing like at least formally in interviews probably for concerts she'll speak in English like I, I feel like she'd be a lot of fun to talk to so I, I kind of hope she speaks more English and she might just have been really shy um, but they have definitely two English speakers and I think that's really helpful for them um, but I also think that and this is just like kind of what Jimin was saying before was like um, I think it was Jimin that was saying before about girl groups um, people like seeing powerful girl groups like 21 had a following outside of just um, like K-pop fans like I think this is gonna sound like it's coming out of nowhere but Luna the fact that Luna has like the whole oh, I love Luna, Luna <laughs> like the fact that Luna has like the whole Stan Luna following in like the queer community like it's not really an accident like 21 also had a huge following in the queer community and like that and like I don't know if Red Velvet think, does yeah. too and yeah. like they're coming like I think I don't think people realize how impactful like this is gonna sound really stupid coming from a journalist but like I don't think people don't think people realize how impactful getting coverage in general is like to get it out there like I very like intently remember like that Wonder Girls were talked about by Perez Hilton and I was like wow that's the greatest thing ever um <laughs> there are a lot of queer people in music journalism and so by having like a girl group that is like uh, I'm gonna say like feeding into like the like the like the I guess the, the general taste of like a lot of like um, like I don't know a lot of gay men seem to really like 21 and Blackpink and Luna from what I understand um, like I'm not a gay man so I can't talk about it but that's like my idea of the following is like everybody like every gay guy I've ever met knows 21's I'm the best and like I'm just like how do you know this um and like they all know boom by yeah like these are just fun songs like I don't know does like every DJ at a gay bar throughout the United States play these songs like I cannot figure it out but like that audience is really impre- like something that has sort of power on entertainment media uh because like just they're in the newsrooms um this sounds really bad and I really don't mean it this way and I really hope I'm not offending someone but just like they're like if you're appealing to women with an empowering message, like how Blackpink kind of is, and like you're appealing appealing to like the message makers, which like a lot of girl groups do in a way that boy bands don't. Like I don't, I don't actually get it. Like like I said, I'm, I'm very clearly not a gay man, so I don't know why so many girl groups in general are so much more popularized. Like I don't ever really. I mean, like I've definitely met like non-straight guy fans of, of bts and like other boy bands but most nine times out of ten like i assume like most of my guy gay friends like they they have like one or two k-pop boy bands they're really into and like but like they're just like yes here for the women and i love it and i think it's wonderful because like we need to cheer on more women but like i think that that audience is kind of built in in a way and that is a really powerful audience and i like i'm saying built in but i think like we always talk about how like boy bands have a lot of power because fandom 
And that is great. And that is really true, especially for BTS's Rise. But the rest of the audience, the people who aren't fans, literally think that their like boy bands are just pathetic. Like, yeah, there's no <laughs> stigma. But like you were saying, like girl groups like Beyonce came from a girl group, like yep. Spice Girls, we love Spice Girls. Like nobody's ever been like, oh, Spice Girls, oh, Destiny's Child. Like they're so like not real. But because we have this idea that men have to be authentically artists and wonderful and they can't dance and have fun on stage and be cute. Like the way that we like say girls have to be essentially, I mean, the reason we like girl groups and not boy bands, I'm saying we as in like American culture, is because we have like different perceptions of what men should be and what women should be. And because mm-hmm. girl groups fit the perception of what women should be and boy bands don't, like girl groups kind of, I agree, have probably an easier, like I think more people I know on like a day to day level who don't like K pop which like is unfortunately so many people I've really failed at my job. Um, <laughs> like, I think the average person would like, if I played a song for them, I'd probably play like a black pink song over a BTS song. Yeah. Except I'd probably also be like, I'm writing a book on these ones. So please listen to <laughs> Um, But so weird. I can say that. Um, but I think that like my average friend who knows anything about K-pop knows like Hyuna. They know 21. They know CL. Like these, they know, like, I don't want to say like the Beyonce's of K-pop, but like they know the names of like, or the like the group names of like the women who stand out in a way. And like, I don't mean stand out like as in because like saying twice doesn't stand out or Red Velvet doesn't stand out. But these are the songs that get around because of like their powerful presence in a way. Mm. If that makes sense. I've rambled a lot. No, no. I actually think it's so funny that you like mentioned those different like aspects of it just because I think that that's generally been the experience that seems to be like the the common experience of like people who just casually enjoy music and are like not necessarily super into K-pop. If you show them a girl group versus a boy group, it's almost like the girl group automatically has more um clout in a way like the girl group automatically has more like even she could be singing about i don't care what it's just like the fact that the the boy group is doing it like you said it's like goes back to those gender norms and sort of what we sort of expect from people also too though i wonder how much of it is sort of the type of songs that are being created for and by women like in, in in society versus, or, you know, pop culture versus men. For example, just in 2018, we talk about, you know, how it was musically for K-pop and how kind of underwhelming it was from like maybe an album's perspective. I, I just kind of noticed that a lot of the, the songs that were, you know, what was getting popular or what was sort of people, got people sort of going, it was like stuff like Hyorin, and how she sort of broke all of these rules, so to speak, of, you know, what in a performance is supposed to be for a woman, right? That was like one of the bigger artists that I noticed got a lot of love. Um, And then it's like nobody really cared for the boy band releases, but a lot of the boy groups kind of talked about the same things we hear all the time, but the women are kind of talking about things, even if they didn't write it, which I hate the whole who wrote it thing because we're not going to get into that point. Is, <laughs> I just, I just, cause I, I value artistic integrity, but at the same time, it's like, if you have a beautiful voice, that's a talent in and of itself. If you can, you know, do all that stuff and dance and put on a show and have stage presence, 
you know, that's a talent in and of itself. I can think of a bunch of people who don't write their own music who are incredible performers and we need to stop devaluing that. Ooh, I didn't say it, but... (laughs) No, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, nobody's ever saying to, like, an Oscar-winning actor, like, oh, you didn't write your script. Like, you're not a real actor. Like, why do people say this about singers? It's so stupid it's like that's it's their job is to sing not necessarily to write I mean unless unless you're a singer-songwriter then you know whatever but I, I don't I don't anyway the point is is that I just feel like if the if it's not the topic they're singing about it's how they're doing it and they're doing it in a way that sort of we know how you know generally South Korea is to women we we know right we know how the world is to women but also in South Korea just like that the different angles that the oppression can take and then we see you know, even recently the girl groups that are coming out like what is it clc with no no like stuff like that like the i I think maybe the topics that they're talking about too um can help in how they appeal to to the culture like in mass right versus boy groups you're getting i can feel your love through my veins the dna that's you know like not saying that's what DNA is about, but that is what it's about. We're going to like be connected forever because the love is in our DNA, which is, I guess, beautiful, but it's like kind of trite and we've heard it a million times. Um, I think, I mean, I think it's the audience kind of like for, for girl groups, the audience is one of two people. Like it's, it's never, never like the same audience as boy bands in a way. Like the audience is girls who are looking essentially for, I mean, like, not always, but like the, the main audience that they're thinking of when they're creating a song is either guys or 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 just I guess people who are attracted to women. Um, so not just only guys, sorry. Um, or like girls who want girls to look up to. Like girls, like it is really underrated how girls' generation, like yes, they were super cutesy and whatever, but like half the time when I see people talk about girls' generation, like nobody's ever talking about how the fact that they have a huge female fan base. Like girls' generation's fan base was not necessarily men in Korea. Like it, the whole point was that like these were the girls you wanted to be and 21 was the girls who you wish you could be um and like girl groups when you're thinking about what you're doing you're either like there's like a really funny video and like i really mean this in like not a bad way at all but like where twice and red velvet did something together at a year-end show and like red velvet's fans you could hear that they were like more female screams and that twice oh were yeah i saw that like I felt so badly for both groups I was just like can't we all cheer on for everybody but like whatever (laughs) and like wanting everybody to be friends and everybody's fandoms to just cheer on for everybody else um but like I remember thinking this really says so much about their marketing because twice is very clearly being like given this like very coy girlish charming look and like if they happen to get girl fans like female fans who aren't necessarily sexually attracted to them like that's great but mm-hmm. like that's not necessarily who their audience they're aiming for is. And for Red Velvet, like, I mean, we get like literally they're killing guys in music videos. Like, <laughs> like they're, they're not like, yeah, we want guys to fall in love with us. But if they do, that's great too. Because like, honestly, I think that's a little bit, um, has a little bit more foresight because like girls still do propel the majority of fandoms, like female fans, like regardless of what K-pop group you are, you want your fandom to have female fans because they last longer. Yeah. Like, men are disloyal sorry yeah sorry um don't worry jay takes no offense to anything (laughs) (laughs) call me me out like tomorrow you are being shit right now Um, (laughs) but i think like um 
Blackpink kind of is definitely the type that is appealing, like their music is meant to be appealing to, you know, the female audiences who are kind of really built in to cheer them on. And like, yes, I, I, I like, I remember when um, Do 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 came out and like, I had a conversation with a guy friend of mine who was just like, I don't see any meaning to like anything that they're doing. And I'm just sitting here like, how are you not seeing any meaning to anything that they're doing? They are literally like, we're going to get our money and we have a Fox and we're on top and like all this stuff that's going on in the music video. Um, but just musically, I like gone on a tangent. Musically, the guy groups, most of their stuff, like nowadays we're seeing a lot more messaging, which I mean, is definitely the BTS effect a thousand percent. Um because nobody cared when like TVXU or HOT or anybody else did it. Um, but, or like, whatever, I can go on a whole rant about like why nobody ever talks about like the other people who write in, in Korea. Um, but like message, like there's two types of songs that K-pop boy bands are putting out nowadays. And they're like, I'm not going to say it because it's coming out of my book. Um, but like one <laughs> of them is like a message song and the other one is like a love song. And the message songs are like things like about being young men and yeah, like we're the youth. We're youth and like we have feelings, um, which, are, which is meant to appeal to women, but that's like a more aggressive we have feelings. And then there's the <laughs> we love you. And like that's also meant to ap- appeal to people who can like romantically love these idols. And girl groups, like they have to either, like because you want a female fandom, it's a little bit harder to do these just like flat out love songs all the time because like girls don't necessarily want that so like even the love songs like you have songs like from red velvet red velvet mostly sings like love songs but like they're kind of like more interesting like they're not just like oh i love you i need you like be my baby um i mean sometimes they are but like they're like uh peekaboo like you're kind of like effing up my heart and like i'm kind of annoyed with you because like that's what their audience is feeling um and so like the boy bands kind of have it a little bit easier where they can do these n- more like yeah they do like the angsty like oh i'm so mad at you why are you being this way love songs um but those are kind of out of style right now but like more they're just like oh i, I love you or oh i have a lot of heartbreak but there's like kind of like this like sensitive element to it even if it doesn't sound that way whereas girls can kind of have like a more of a little aggressive side because they know that the audience is it's not the same audience, but this is people with similar emotions. And so they kind of have to be flipped, like kind of like the vision of what they're saying has to be flipped a little bit. Um, and I'm just like thinking, now I'm thinking of MCT127 and they're totally ruining everything I'm saying. Um, oh, MCT. <laughs> she is our resident in oh, TC. Oh, Stan. I just, I just think that they are in Who do you guys stand? I want to know. Huh? <laughs> I stand oh, T.O.P. And that's it. I can speak for myself. <laughs> <laughs> but she is right. She is right. Um, I guess I'm going first then, I guess. Um, so Icon in Black 2 p.m., Kira, Brown Eyed Girls. I think that's it. And not like a whole bunch of new goos, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ash, who do you stand? Uh, I guess I'm going next. Okay. Well, I'm kind of like Tamara in which I started back in like 08 and I saw a lot of my faves have sadly disbanded, but um, 
so I was a Wonder Girl stan back oh. when, they were to, when they were together. Um, Wait, I guess what, some. What's your like favorite line of? Because I had a really intense conversation with someone. Oh man, <laughs> I you know a long time ago I would have told you any lineup without um, Lim, but I really came around to her after the band lineup, oh. and so I'm just kind of like I feel like one day they will all come together as like a super wonder girls and we'll just get like the band and then Sonia can be like just the vocal and like we can just do everything that's a great thing (laughs) that's like my yeah that's like my dream and then yeah big bang so well basically TLP but I guess big bang yeah I'm like, I just checked this the other day because I was curious. My name is in T.O.P.'s last Instagram post and it's been there for like a year. What? Yeah. Like, like there is in like you. Like listen- I wrote an article about him like just like enlisting because it was a really slow news day and I was like, I'm going to miss him. And so like his last article, like the last thing he tweeted, he posted on Instagram was a screenshot of this article I wrote about like some of his best songs. <laughs> like when everything <laughs> happened and like i've checked it a bunch of times to make sure he hasn't like purged his instagram and, like, I, my name is still in his like last instagram post <laughs> like, that is amazing it's pretty cool and demon hmm? mm-hmm. um i don't disclaimer i don't stand anyone contrary to popular belief mm-hmm. Um, I really like, I really love Shiny, every bit of Shiny. Um, I, I like NCT. I like Icon. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with BTS. That's kind of cliche. It's not even a love-hate. It's more like a mildly like-hate relationship with BTS. What? (laughs) But like... Mostly armies, right? But I, because I liked a lot of their music. Okay, uh, I, a lot of their music that I don't even know how to classify. I do like a good portion of their music. I don't like their fan base. Period. That's just a fact. I just don't. I never have. Um, at least as a whole. Like obviously, I don't know either, each one of them individually, but like as a whole, like it's just a lot to deal with. Um. And then I, I'm more so like there's certain members in BTS that I really like. Like I really like J Hope. That's like my favorite BTS member. Like for example, so it's just a weird relationship. It's just a hot mess. I don't know. Jay, what were you gonna say about BTS? Oh, I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> I, not I have a, a in that business. Yeah, I have a complicated relation like with them. So I mean, I will say that I did follow them up to a point like up until no and then i kind of left for my own reasons and yeah <laughs> that's, that's it so i was kind of around for like their whole time travel because i know i talked about that in the past about like their whole like storyline theories and all that so i was kind of into them around that time but then after that i kind of just stopped <laughs> a lot going on and i was like i i can't deal with this uh yeah <laughs> so, yes, they, really do. they do have a lot going on <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's a whole mess i just we, <laughs> we get accused of hating bts a lot and what we're just know? 
we just like we just talk about them more than anybody else which is kind of hard not to do but yeah which is very rational about bts and i think that's what a lot of people like you said you made a really good point like earlier about how fans just kind of want pr for their for their like faves or whatever but that's not what our podcast like we're not just here to be like oh they're perfect and like they don't do any wrong or they make great music all the time like that's just not facts so yeah i mean fans don't want facts they want like fan like I don't even know. Like, I should come up with a good fav- like line. Like, fans don't like facts; they want like faves. I don't know. Um, yeah, they're 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 their fans are really something something else. And like, have you happened to run into uh, Golden Child fans by any <laughs> chance? Oh my goodness! <laughs> we had a um, nice little run in with. Uh, golden child we um occasionally do videos on youtube just Mm -hmm. little like mv reviews or whatever so we you know they get you know little views here and there we posted a random video of us just you know reviewing one of golden child's videos and within a day it had over a thousand views and um i looked at that thing and i was like oh my goodness all these views like wow, you know, people must have really liked this. And I go down the list of comments and it's it's stuff like, you should kill yourself because you're talking about people were messaging us on Twitter. Why don't you die? We're going to report you because you are talking about this wonderful, I mean, I mean, this was the first time we had ever like come across anything like that. You can't Um, kill me. I'm already dead. (laughs) And it was like, it it was just, I don't, I don't know what was up because we, I was expecting like that kind of response, like from an EXO video or like a BTS, so for it to come from this groove, it was coming They have literally just come out with like, I remember we just laughed a lot during the video. I literally think we said they're the bootleg NCT dream. I think that's the worst comment we made. And there's a lot laughing. And I'm just like, what? That reaction over... If they honestly, they need to grow skin like XOLs because the stuff we say about XO, like, that won't be, <laughs> they like, wouldn't be able to handle it. It's like our armies, BTS are not Nugu anymore. Like, calm down. They, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I'm not even gonna ask. <laughs> <laughs> are always it playing the victim. The victim perpetually. It was, it was that was how things used to be like when they were at debut yes, i remember that so yeah i that's when i got started with them was at their debut up until like now um so i like remember those days and same thing too like with vix because i think vix has a similar parallel like when their debut nobody was checking for them and it was kind of like that until they did the on and on and then they were like sci-fi concept kings um, like that so it's like really weird like that they still kind of take that bts or vix both of them like both of the fans Mm -hmm. um like they take that kind of like mindset of like okay like we really had to fight to like make it in this industry we're not like part of the big three or anything like that but when they crossed over to that point of like no longer being underdogs but like competitors to like the big three groups it's this like, is the it's, 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 that's like, so yeah but uh but um, but i can say that for bts they kind of didn't fade off into like the shadows as vix like did vix? <laughs> yeah, but, but i feel certain things happen to vix that 
cause that to be as opposed to BTS. I don't, I think the bands kind of help prevent that from happening to them. Um, and then too, it's just like a different climate than when Vix was around. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have like, I mean, oh my goodness. This makes me think about my, th- I have this really weird theory that it's not even a theory. It's kind of just a fact now that um, armies are starting to have like um, an identity crisis because mm-hmm. Big Hit is debuting text message. So now they can't continue <laughs> to say, oh, hey, the underdogs, you know, because it's like exactly. now Big Hit is rich and they have two groups, even though they've always had groups in the past. Now mm-hmm. they have like two active groups. So you can't say anything anymore about like, oh, SM has a million groups they can make money off of because now Big Hit is reaching out and like expanding and they're having an identity crisis. I'm telling you. So they don't know what to do. Yeah, like, I'm getting I'm getting about tired any, of these imaginary any, haters that BTS has. I'm trying to find them because I can't I can't I don't know where they're at. For our next story, cultural sensitivity training in K-pop. Let's do it, Jay Park. <laughs> oh, I thought you said me. I am, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> not you, Jay. Classes are closed. insensitive. <laughs> Jay Park. <sighs> On January 30th, Jay Park posted a video of fellow rapper Avatar Darko, who is a member of Jay's higher music label, rapping to Truly Unruly on his Instagram. Avatar Darko is a white rapper with dreadlocks and fans some fans took to instagram in the comments to voice their frustrations and in the now disabled comment section jay responded to multiple people who accused him and avatar darko of cultural appropriation but because nothing ever goes away on the internet those responses and comments have been taken for posterity and they are all anywhere if you search them you can find them and these are just some of the things that jay said so like every time i twist my hair into spikes with gel y'all say the same shit because y'all think it looks like dreads to be honest getting pretty ridiculous i can't style my hair Yo, feeling somebody's music is personal opinion, but hating on somebody because of their hairstyle, I'm sorry, but that ain't it. Jay Park and Avatar Darko never disrespect the culture and always give back. That's like saying a non-Asian person shouldn't use Korean words and shouldn't listen to K-pop because they didn't go through all the suffering Korean people went through. If you don't know, look this shit up. It's 2019 and every culture, every ethnicity influences each other. As long as we're not disrespecting each other, it's all love and nothing else. If I sound like a dumbass because of this comment, then I guess I'm a dumbass. Um, Next. Reply to someone's comment. So it's okay for non-Asian people to use the word appa or selka and mukbang, but have never lived in Korea and don't know the culture. Is that cultural appropriation? Or is that just showing love and being interested or passionate about something? Please educate me, please. Um, Another reply, how about people that aren't Korean that do mukbang? Or 
K-pop reaction vids to gain followers or views or people that want to be part of fandoms because they just want to be accepted or part of something. Is that appropriating? I think some people can take offense to it or some people could look at it as they're just fans and just want to be part of the culture. As long as it's not disrespectful, I see no reason why not. If you don't know how they grew up or what they are about, I don't think you should be so quick to judge just because of one's hair. Um, this migrated all the way to Twitter and continued where he attempts to explain himself while revealing that he's just mad at people for calling him out, talks a bit about being called offensive things himself. Um, eventually he just kind of was like, you know what, if I messed up, I sincerely apologize. Y'all know Jay Parks loves y'all. I'm sorry I effed up. Um, this was trending worldwide. <laughs> I don't remember if it was number one or not. If it, it was either number one, it was pretty high at one point. And <sighs> Jimin, Jay, we already kind of Girl. did a read for him mm. that a lot of people, people that saw it on YouTube came to his defense and were kind of angry about Um. So I feel we were kind of vindicated with this, but I feel like he's still going to have his defenders. Um, of course. Part two. Part two of Jay Park. <laughs> what are we thinking? Jay, you want to get him? Because if I get him, I'm going to really get him. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, okay. Where do I even begin? I'm just like, we're going to give this, this lesson right now. Um, okay, so this is the first time that he's done something, and it's it's like part of him doesn't get it. Like, he's equating two kind of different things, or like he's not articulating his point that well, um, where it's like, okay, he does have a point that, yeah, some people are using Korean culture for clicks and views. However, is that keeping them from, oh, I don't know, competing in sports tournaments where they have to stop the whole thing to cut their hair because of some distraction? <laughs> you know, are people being, like, not allowed to go to school because of their hair? The way their hair naturally grows out of their head. Right. So it's like it's like his his him trying to make parallels made it worse. I mean, I'm not Korean, so I can't speak on like, you know, the language. I do think that sometimes it is abuse or like when people are like saying like Appa and things like that and they don't really they don't really understand like the meaning behind that. Like the right way to use it they're just like oh i like this is like they're abusing the language so it's like what are you doing you're looking like a dummy right now mm-hmm. um, so like i see his point in that regard like yeah people are using like part of your culture just for the clout without really understanding or even respecting you know what's the real meaning behind it but on the flip side you're kind of doing that to somebody else's culture like that and when people He's asking for people to educate him and to inform him, but then turning around and saying, like, oh, you're just a hater. So it's like... <laughs> what do you really want, Jay? Like, do you just want people just to agree with you or not to say anything about it? Like, this is 
you may not feel like it's an issue or that it shouldn't be, but this is bothering people. And so, like, why is that? Why is this important to them? I mean, <clears throat> it's like people are quick to say, like, Akashic say in general, like, for Black people, like, if Black people do something that's, you know, racist to other people, then, like, they are very quick to deploying that you know us out on that but when we kind of like okay this is what's going on like this is you know from our perspective this is racist and then people are like oh get over it it's like are you serious like <laughs> this is really happening um and i don't i don't know that's all i gotta say i don't want to get all into it so <laughs> i'm gonna pass the baton to i don't know whoever wants to take it next <laughs> <laughs> Jamin, I know you have something you want to say. I I just want to say, um, Jay, I thought you were never a K-pop idol. I thought you didn't like K-pop. I thought you <laughs> distanced yourself from K-pop. What happened to wanting to be a hip-hop artist and to you want to be taken seriously? You you know, you want people to see you as a rapper and you want to distance yourself as far away from your culture as humanly possible up until the point where you tolerate racism towards you so that you can be accepted into a whole other culture. Like, I don't understand. Now suddenly you are like the king of K-pop. I don't understand where this is coming from. And now that we have established that, I want to get into the fact, this whole idea of, you know, him equating this, this false equivalence of cultural appropriation and appreciation. Don't get me wrong. There is a lot of cultural appropriation in terms of um, people who basically, like we said, come become Korea booze. They, you know, say things that they don't understand the context of. They're not learning the language because they want to learn the language in a positive way, but they're bastardizing the language, right? That happens. We are acknowledging that and that is wrong. That does not give you the permission to do the same exact thing to someone else's culture. Like, it doesn't work like that, sis. Um, he has to realize that. I don't think he'll ever realize it, honestly, because I know he heard our read. I know he heard that because that's why he's so hurting in his feelings, because he heard that read. And the fact of the matter is, if he still hasn't learned after being read, it's like, I don't, I don't even think there's a way to teach him uh, but the fact of the matter is for th for those out there who are not jay park but you, you want to learn um the reason why what he's saying is false and 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 just not in some ways it's valid like i mentioned earlier but in in some ways other ways it's not is the fact that he's essentially saying things that like jay mentioned people are losing their jobs over little girls can't go to school little black girls can't go to school because their hair is being called a distraction something that that doesn't happen to other people if you have straight hair you can go to school and your hair won't be called a distraction but if you have kinky curly hair your hair can be called a distraction and it just grows like that and you can't you can't control that um that's really different from you know listening to k-pop music in not being korean that's very different it's not like anybody said jay you can't listen to hip-hop music you can't listen to r&b you can't listen to rap or any of the 950,000 genres black people invented it's not people it's not like people are saying that people are instead saying you can appreciate the culture respect it but don't treat it like it's beneath you don't don't you know basically take something either treat it like it's beneath you or take something and try to say that you started it that's not what k-pop fans do k-pop fans don't take the korean language and say i invented the korean language they don't do things like that 
um and i saw the different responses his um his you know rantings and ramblings got from other like the i think the guy from card there's like two guys one of the guys from card responded and the aviator aviator himself he he also commented saying um something about like black girls and and basically just say something that was just like so completely racist that i just am sick to my stomach actually so the to me it's like think about the people you are surrounding yourself around even if jay himself let's say his apology can be taken um for at face value and not for what it was which was just trash and backpedaling and and just trash even if we could take it and be like okay we accept this apology you're still surrounding yourself around people who clearly think of black culture and blackness in a certain way that is highly disrespectful and you don't take the time out to try to educate yourself or try to even check them on it so i, I at this point jay 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 hope <laughs> jay, jay oh Park, that that's how i think of you jay park i i confuse you with somebody much more relevant jay park is a, a lost cause to me i'm tired of it he does this all the time and he he not only like doesn't know who he is but it's like he allows people i don't know i just don't like people who don't have a backbone and and that's what jay gives off is somebody who doesn't have a backbone but then suddenly you want to have this like I don't know where this came from, this sort of gall to just start saying all these things. Um, he backtracked anyway, so it shows he still doesn't have a backbone. But um, I don't know. I'm just tired of Jay Park. So no offense to all of you. Jay Park stands to all of you. 2 p.m. stands, which I, if you're a stand of 2 p.m., you probably are not the biggest fan of Jay Park. But um, anymore. <laughs> um, but that's just how I feel about it. And um yeah, I agree with everything Jay said too. So, all right, Tamar, did you have anything that you wanted to add to this about Jay Park or any of the surrounding issues? So, I mean, I agree with everything everyone says. Like personally, like I just have no idea when he can just just stop talking, like really quickly, just stop talking. Um, but I actually saw the the issue like from another perspective at the very beginning, because I don't know if anybody else is like active on Twitter, but there was like quite a heated issue, like right, right before this, like, and of a, of a Korean writer, not listening when a black woman was telling him, like, you need to, to refer to Korean hip hop in the context of black people, because specifically um, there was a piece in Vulture that this guy wrote and he didn't mention that Yumire was biracial. And like this, like this whole thing, I watched the entire, entire thing. This went on for like two weeks of like this, this guy just not stopping responding. And I mean, she wasn't helping because she kept up responding also, but like, he just wasn't listening. So I was very much feeling her, like just saying to him, you are not listening. Um, but pretty much she said, hey, it's really cool that you wrote this article. And this article was really cool, but it would have been nice if you recognized that Yumire being biracial may have had some sort of impact on her and Tiger JK's career. And his response was essentially like, nope, that's not it. There's no such thing as appropriation within Korean hip hop of black like culture because that's just like not how this is. That's not how um, appropriation works. Like he kept on trying to explain what he thought appropriation was. And like literally hundreds of people were shouting at him like, you do not seem to understand what appropriation is. And like the fact that you wrote this whole article that was a really well-received article except for this one like, 
I wouldn't say tiny criticism because honestly that was what had jumped out to me also but like like literally this one criticism that could have pretty much been a like thank you for letting me know I was going to try to address that in another follow-up piece because he said he was doing another follow-up and it like grew to this like I think like there was like 400 back and forth between the two of them where like he it got so bad he ended up like and like bad when I say I mean badly reflecting on him like he was like insulting her and calling her like really nasty like gendered names like essentially saying that he didn't think that her work her time or her or her point of view of saying like you're saying that appropriation is one thing but I'm telling you that this is what it's not because of x y and z and a lot of it had to do similarly with like she was explaining about like why using like dreads and like braids is not okay and he was just like very very much not listening and it became this whole big thing so I and then it picked up again the same night that Jay's Jay started talking and I was just like holy crap he's responding to this so I had seen like literally this had been going on for two weeks and it was on a, it was like outstanding like I'm not black I'm not Korean it was just outstanding how intent these guys were in both instances of talking back and I just really wanted to tell them to shut up a lot like I, I don't understand at what point you can say to somebody yes like it's it was like acknowledge like both instances where they were just acknowledging what they were doing and saying but it's not wrong and I just don't understand anybody who's like I like I'm just not a person who's like that like if you tell me something's wrong I'll probably think about it and never do it ever again because I'm so scared of ever offending anybody ever again like I'm just a wimp maybe I don't know like I don't like being wrong like and if you tell me I'm doing something wrong whether it's like like even like something stupid like not putting ketchup on mac and cheese I don't know um like really something stupid like that's not my personality so literally like the first like I saw these whole things happening and just like staring at them in in shock and disgust honestly a little like I honestly Jay's never been perfect but like this is (laughs) I don't know how to say this like remotely politely like because I'm a total non-part of either of these situations but like I was just like watching in both instances and thinking Jay with every single word you are typing you are losing not only like your fans but like you're losing every single ounce of the the not even respect but like the identity that you've built for yourself because you're so blatantly saying i'm x y and z but i don't believe it Mm. like i like he was just saying he does like he was saying essentially like that he doesn't respect people calling him out for saying like that he's hip-hop without understanding hip-hop like what what, that means yeah and my thinking like when you were talking was like would they even be talking about what they were if like the issue or somebody didn't bring that up to their attention because it sounds like they had those feelings for a long time but they just never said them on their own like they needed a reason to and so it's kind of like okay so were you kind of just waiting for the opportunity to kind of like throw in what you were feeling like I don't know for how long and that like oh people are telling me you know I can't do this okay well this is how I feel about you know like all this kind of stuff um because it doesn't seem like it was kind of like keyboard smashing like right in that moment <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know maybe it was but it was like okay you couldn't maybe have set that like on your own like okay you're like you know what I'm I'm you know I'm waking up and I was like you know this is how I feel right now 
the narrative probably could have went a different way then because they were just talking about what they were feeling without jumping on something else that, you know, was kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, you know, already something that's already lit on fire and they're just throwing more wood on it. <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> you might want to put that fire out, not make it bigger. Um, but then like when they, like when Jay was asking like, okay, I want to be educated. And then when people were in some ways kind enough to do that, and then turn around and just be like, okay, well, whatever. It's like, <laughs> people aren't going to... It's a real slap in the face. Right. Like, people are not going to be apt to do that if this is how you're going to react. They're just going to let you, um, you know, burn in the fire. Because, um, you know, I kind of was like, well, I'm not going to get all up into this because this is the first time that this has happened. And you're like, okay, well, I want to learn. I want to be educated. And then when people, like, present the opportunity and then you just turn around and be like no it's like okay so you don't <laughs> so what are you really trying to get out of this yeah and this is something that this is another thing that i personally it's one of those things that i have i guess am not sure about as far as with k-pop and then it becoming more well known this whole thing with who owns what what is cultural appropriation what is you know the appropriate way to for example you've got you know companies like yg and that's like their whole identity right and this is something that even that kind of extends past just you know how certain idols are marketed how hip-hop is marketed how that whole you know extends to you know black k-pop fans and how they're treated within the fandom and it just for a certain segment of fans it makes the experience of being a fan a lot different and that's another thing i always wonder you know if we're wanting so much more exposure for k-pop and this kind of thing you know what happens if you know we have this kind of thing kind of pop out into you know the, the the blackface incidents and you know this very ugly side of it that you know granted is not everyone's you know this is not something that everyone does and it's not something that happens on the regular but it's there and nobody really wants to to talk about it it seems or address it in a meaningful way or you know you're like jay and it's just like you know it's talking to a brick wall or even with some of you know international fans that you think would at least want to acknowledge that it's there and you get i feel like with some of them you get this very defensive kind of feedback as well and it's it's just kind of like this weird like loop and I don't know. It, it's it's affected a lot of, of how I, you know, as I've learned more about these things, how I viewed it and and view, you know, this kind of, you know, how it's become more accessible to people, especially international fans, because you would think this kind of thing would be, I don't know, it would stop, would not stop, but, you know, we would have a better dialogue on it than what we have now. But hmm. That's interesting. I don't know. Any what what are you thinking, Jimin? 
that's no, just just the idea of just like as k-pop globalizes just you know with sort of like we talk about the dark side of the the different things that happen how that's gonna affect it i mean I can already, I already see it now, just like in, you know, if you go to different internet forums or something like that, of course, you know, Tamar touched on it earlier with the the opposite end of like how people are perceiving sort of Korean culture, but then there's the whole end of how Korean culture, Korean, you know, Korean media, I'll say it that way, sort of treats outside cultures right and even with like like talk about blackpink the whole lisa situation where they say things like oh she's only popular because she tries to look korean you know she's you know no good all of these like very xenophobic comments about her it's just really interesting to see you know as it it because it is globalizing how people are going to react to that people want to cover it up people want to hide it and i i i get you know big media wanting to do that from a legal standpoint sorry. Um, huh sorry oh no (laughs) no it's 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 fine it's fine like don't and if you want this off the record that's fine but i get big media from a legal standpoint um what i don't get is like how like like we talk about the fans just go so hard to protect and like how the the backlash on the j park stuff that we've talked about in the past and and, you know i'm shocked that the exo stuff hasn't gotten as because we talk about a lot of exo stuff too but it's just I just don't understand from a, just like a fan perspective how you can want to maybe because I'm not like super naive or something like that, but I don't understand how you can want to protect someone like a stranger who is mocking sort of the very identity, like your identity. And at the same time, if somebody were to do that to them, you would have an issue with it. Now, and, and with that being said, I clearly would have an, an issue if someone were to mock Korean people. Um, I, and it, of course it happens, right? It obviously happens. Um, but what I'm saying is it's just weird to me that a lot of fans are like, oh, we need to cancel X, X, and X because they said something that, you know, could be interpreted as, you know, they say like, uh, they can't tell Young and Jungkook apart. That's so racist, right? Um, but then, you know, you got those same idols doing blackface or those same idols saying the N-word or, you know, a host of like you know other horrible comments about darker skinned Koreans and darker skinned Asians and it's just like people just gloss over that and I don't I don't get that at all that's just weird to me like we don't do that with you know American media if Justin Bieber says something horrible we bring it to everybody's attention and like talk about it ad nauseum but what you know I wonder where this culture of protection is does it come from the idols, you know, does the idols, are they just hypnotizing fans to protect them? Does it come from maybe, I know, I know a lot of Korean fans, they cover stuff up <laughs> so that it doesn't get out to international fans. Like where exactly does this like instinct to protect, I know I'm going on a whole tangent, but this instinct to protect the idol, where is that coming from? Because you don't do it with like American artists or like, you know, Western artists. You know what I mean? Is that is that like a weird thing, or is am I the only one that feels like this is like a K-pop specific thing, or a, even a boy band specific thing? To be even more, you know, I think it's a difference in like the fandom cultures because I will cautiously say one thing that I've noticed between like 
Eastern fans and as opposed to Western fans is that they want their their fave to be liked by everyone, even the artists themselves. I forgot it wasn't somebody in K-pop. It was somebody um, from Southeast Asia, and the way that the singer was talking, that was like they they really like wanted to be liked by everyone, and I found that like why because like none of us gonna like you yeah but, but it was just like that's their that's kind of their mindset um part of it i would say is because like they're seen as role models whether they like it or not for really like young kids and so if you know these kind of issues are happening and part of their job whether they like it or not is to be a good role model but then i'll you know they're doing these bad things they're kind of not fulfilling their job you know or like you know mm-hmm. think about like if more people like you that means more money in your pocket because that mm-hmm. means people are going to buy your albums go to your concerts buy your merch things like that so from that kind of standpoint you know i get it and to that people only in like k-pop anyways that they only stand one group and that group is you know the only group that you give your time to mm. So if, you know, any press that's not good is coming out, then, you know, that's going to affect it. Like, okay, people aren't liking my group and, you know, they should <laughs> like that. Um, so in some ways, yeah, okay. You can, like, see, like, why uh, K-pop fans or, like, fans and Eastern fans are, like, so adamant about protecting things too but then like you see like how western fans are like well we're like oh you may have done this like 10 years ago but we're just gonna call you out on it yeah we're gonna gonna address the problem you have to change and grow as a person like right you can't just keep doing the same mistakes right and like you know some people will spend hours digging through somebody's old twitter account that they had when they were eight trying to see like <laughs> problematic things that they do. <laughs> so i mean that's a little obsessive but i mean it does happen because like people will bring up yeah people bring up stuff that happened like years ago it is like okay um <laughs> yeah I, I hope you grew as a person from that but it's it's like where, where do you draw the line with that so yeah it can't mm. it's just a mess all around. <laughs> Jay Park is yeah. almost 40. That's why I cross the line. You... <laughs> no, like one ish, kind of, somewhere in there. He's not right. I don't think he's that much older than me. Hold on. Right. My point is if you ain't learned by now, I don't know if I have any more hope. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of true. You're kind of set when you're like in your 30s yeah like <laughs> so. late 20s early 30s you know who you are you know your values you kind of you know have an idea of where you stand on things like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think yeah i definitely agree with you about like fan culture protecting certain elements and and i think whoever well i don't remember who it was it was jay who mentioned like that it's particularly about boy bands because like I mean, Mama Moo has done a lot of stuff and they don't seem to get the same sort of like, oh, but didn't do it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like, I mean, like, I'm totally just talking about Western fans here because like Korea is going to go how Korea is going to go. And like, 
I can, we can all waste as many words as we want, but like, it's going to take a lot more for like, I, I think there's some elements of like people within Korea, like kind of recoiling from Western criticism, honestly, like mm. don't try to colonize our media by saying like, don't do blackface. Like that sounds crazy to me as a like an American, but like, I, I do feel that that's kind of some of this, like, why it keeps on happening is it's like oh no like you're in america like you're not in korea like you don't know what you're talking about it's different um and like there is a different like perspective of where people's cultures are coming from but like the protecting certain media entities like i don't think jay's gonna necessarily suffer from this i think it'll blow over and the people who want to see jay succeed will see will keep cheering him on Mm -hmm. and like the conversation as you pointed out before was like actually ridiculous considering how he was saying I'm going to listen but totally just not listening like it's bizarre and I can't imagine like I don't know Tiffany Young doing this like I just can't like I can't imagine Tiffany like saying something like that first of all in the first place um but like I can't imagine her saying to somebody calling her out okay so tell me and then like throwing it back at them and like it not ruining her career completely and like that's beside like the whole Mm. whatever happened in Korea with her career Mm. um but like I just don't think like I think that Jay's whole essence is like if you like him you're already okay kind of with what he's doing and whatever he's saying is like okay um I mean Mm. like I don't think it's like this now so much with BTS because like I do think that they've shown growth but like when early fans were just like cool with what bts was doing early on like really like there is yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah everything just comes back to them in my brain lately but like i mean like but like they've shown growth like rm has addressed why he won't sing cer- certain lyrics anymore like why he's like changed his thought like just because i've literally been listening to their entire discography on repeat you don't hear gun sounds half as much as you used to despite their name um like literally every single song i think on their second album uses like a gunshot effect like i actually wanted to destroy it uh, and if it's not an effect it's them saying click clack yeah. to the bang <laughs> and, like, they don't do it like not today had it like but it's just like it to some degree there's like a reason to it now but like so like there is growth and like i'm not saying like like i just saw a really annoying thread about cancel culture today because of Liam Neeson and like they were like let's not cancel everybody I'm like yes we can cancel them like yeah we can definitely cancel people who want to kill every black man that they see (laughs) (laughs) we've been talking like I've been taking so much of your time tonight but like I just can't believe he thought that that was a thing to say and like who asked you like in what made you think yeah I'm going to bring this up today and people are going to be fine with it like I'm not I mean, I'm shocked but I'm I'm not surprised I guess yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean I live in a state where uh, our governor was like you know I didn't do blackface but I have done blackface before and want to watch me do the moonwalk you know? oh no I'm so sorry for your <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been watching that almost like a terrible anyway but yeah, I don't That's know. Well, at least it wasn't in Korea. <laughs> yeah, 
That is that is the one bright spot there. One point for Korea. Negative <laughs> fifty-seven for America. <laughs> like, it just like ruin us to like the ground like negative a thousand. Like we're just terrible. <laughs> well, on to a more pleasant topic. Yay. Comebacks. Mm-hmm. Um so we have a lot of things coming up, a lot of comebacks recently. Um recently some groups that have released some new music. Uh CLC, Seventeen. We stand. Okay. CLC two or just seventeen? Honestly, both. Honestly, and, and and I'm coming from perspective of someone who actually has not Listen to the full CLC. Okay, but keep going, keep going. Okay. I'm a bandwagon fan, so. Okay. (laughs) And Wavy. So I will say about um, the groups I did like, 17's Home. I liked the vibe of it. Um, I thought it was a lot more mature than Mm -hmm. some of the stuff I've seen from them. And I I really like the vibe of it. Like, it's just, it's a really good, like, I, I like the the pace and the melody and I, I want them to stay in that that spot for a while. I think it works for them. And CLC, I really hope people don't sleep on them like this time. And I'm a little afraid too because I feel like I feel like they the chance that they took with the song pulled they pulled it off. I'm just afraid that like the whole like people are already, you know, the feminist like slant that they're taking in the song is gonna get them aunties unfortunately and maybe it won't um because i mean some girl groups you know pick up more fans from you know going more aggressive with you know a pro female like you know viewpoint so i really hope that like i feel like clc like i felt so bad for them after the whole like is one thing with Livian rose and like the whole like them just getting that snatched away from them and they're i think they're really talented so i i want them to do well i just want people to like you know to buy their album and vote for them i don't want to see them disband <laughs> so early like so many other groups that i get into so late but um and wavy i still have to kind of catch up with them but i was just gonna let jimin just take that whole thing over because i know she has things to say about them um uh, Jay, did you have anything to say about comebacks? Um, so I only saw CLC. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like the song, and I kind of want to go back to something that we first started talking about, about um, like the girl groups and the boy groups. Um, from my perspective, I feel that like girl groups offer a little bit more in their songs sometimes like sure they still talk about some the same things that boy groups do like about being in relationships and love but like clc's no song for example that's like a like an anthem you know like yeah yeah, like no red lipstick no high heels yes and so those kind of songs I don't see a whole lot from boy groups or <laughs> or it's done in a way that sometimes like I could relate to, like not like in the like an aggressive way, but just like more in like a self-confidence kind of way. Like I can, you know, be confident in myself. Like I don't need to be with somebody to be happy. Um and if those songs are being made by boy groups, it's like the coffee shop kind of 
ballad song, and I'm kind of like, don't put me to sleep here. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I guess that's my kind of thing, and like the vibe of the song because it reminds me of like a Vogue kind of song that you know, yeah. you know dance mm-hmm. with the boy groups, they make songs like may have songs like that, but um, I guess what I'm trying to say too is like, there's like no. Their song, their dances are more complicated as opposed to girl group songs or like the dances. They're not as easy to do. <laughs> like you're doing a P90X workout. <laughs> with song oh my and, like, goodness. <laughs> have you ever tried to work out to, oh, have you ever had tried to work out to a boy band, uh, like dance? Like, a, you know what I mean? Try to like mimic. Okay, like do the choreography. Out, I no. do the choreography, especially like do not try BTS or NCT choreography. You might die. Like <laughs> you're gonna break my ankles. I mean, I'm gonna try to do it. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying there, but um, and just and just like that. And then was something that um, somebody I was talking to had showed me was the CLC song. Um, I didn't see. This is my first time hearing about. 17 having a comeback. I didn't even know that, that they were doing that. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that you were going to mention, like, uh, since 101 disbanded and, like, some of them oh, are, like, <laughs> some yeah. of them are doing comebacks, like, I think in April. So I thought that's what kind of, like, the angle was going to go, like, when you, you mentioned comebacks, but that's that's cool that you didn't and see i forgot the other group that you listed outside of 17 and clc so oh wavy the um nct okay China. yeah okay yeah. clearly jay doesn't know ash well enough because <laughs> we 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 don't do one-on-one in this house <laughs> i mean we can we can just if you have something to say about it jay yeah, the, the, uh, the disbandment <laughs> you need to get off your chest that's perfectly fine <laughs> I just feel like the whole group was like Daniel and the boys. <laughs> Daniel and the boys. <laughs> but now that he doesn't have them anymore, I'm kind of like, what his career is going to go? Because they have him, he's going to go solo. And I feel that people may have known him more for his variety that he does and like his endorsements as opposed to like him supposed to be a singer or a rapper or however he wants to identify in that kind of way. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it, it, does, does he identify as a rapper, a singer? Yeah. I don't know. So I don't so I don't know. I don't know what his soul is gonna be like, <clears throat> how people are gonna respond to it. Because, you know, he's not in the group anymore, so everybody can, like, make him look good or, like, he's a center, so he's going to get, like, the most attention and screen time and all that. So since he doesn't have it anymore, how is his solo career going to go? Because it's just going to be really him. So I don't know. But he has some time to figure it out, and then we'll see how it goes. I don't know if being in one-on-one is going to help his career or not because some of the other groups that – have been in these type of uh, survival shows. Like after the time with the group ended, what has their career been? You know, 
almost the same as what it was before, (laughs) in my my opinion. So, I mean, this is just my perspective because, I mean, I'm not in Korea to, like, really see, I guess, how things are like there. Um, So it's just something, you know, keep an eye out on, but I don't know. All right. I hope I didn't just destroy the whole podcast with that. <laughs> All the fans are going to come after us. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, that's just my take on things. <laughs> do you uh, oh, no, I think Tamar had something. About oh, Tamar, I'm sorry. I, I, like, I do like one-on-one. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> hey! <laughs> well, well, like, off the record, like, I like, I like, I watch Produce one-on-one, so I like the members, but their music was really not 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 it it was was a hard hard pill to swallow at times yes but like about about like daniel and the boys which is like the funniest thing i've heard and i'm never not gonna tell one of my friends that later um i think that like the perception of what of what 101 was in the west is a little like among the american fans particularly of like versus what it was in korea was a little bit different um just because like i think that the fandom will propel it like the fandom was so expansive in korea like it honestly like the the votes amounts between like izone and 101 were like not even like lacking in like a hundred thousand view difference like like you could probably multiply the number one spot from produce 48 and like you probably still wouldn't get the number 12 member of 101 that's how popular the individual members were like getting votes and produce um Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I, I'm not like I'm not sitting here like necessarily concerned that these people will never have fans like I mean like they they definitely will not have that much like popularity to some degree um, moving forward but like I think that to like they're not Daniel and the boys they're like Daniel with the boys or like I think I really do wow I don't or like not even that like I think that Daniel's hype i mean daniel's hype was legit much much more but i think that like underratedly people in korea still do know some of the other members like like hasan moon just did a song the other day and like i don't think it's phenomenally but like i don't think like anybody was like oh that was a total flop um right it helps that he's like bros with like temin and kai and not saying that that's his only because from what I understand, he's an incredible singer he's and he seems talented. like an incredible idol just from like what I've seen of his persona. Um, but it, it helps to be friends. I noticed like fans will support if you're cool with their faith. So there's that. Sorry. True. No, I mean, he, I mean, he just posted a video where he was at karaoke with Jimin with and Jimin. like that definitely helped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I think like, I think it's like a little discredit like just because like I feel badly for the guys like I think it's a little discredit because I think they to some degree I'm less concerned about them than I am like iZone's members because I'm, I, I'm a little weirded out honestly that so many of these guys are going solo instead of being put into groups like you would think that these companies were like yes we're gonna prep a group around them for like their entire next seven years and like that's great but like everybody's just like no we're going solo and i'm just like okay jenny <laughs> like i mean it is more lucrative if you're chunga but it's not more lucrative if you're like i sound like i like sun i think song a great singer he's probably gonna do well because he's a balladeer but i don't necessarily just think i don't know like june is gonna do well he'll probably go to acting but like i don't think some of the other ones are gonna thrive as much as soloists as like people think they are right now 
because mm-hmm. like, we've seen them in group dynamics and they're all really good in group dynamics but like yeah sorry I knew we weren't going to talk about one-on-one but I think they're gonna they, I'm not concerned about their careers like I am the girls just because phantom no it's here. great to hear about one-on-one like <laughs> no I'm so serious I'm, honestly um of course I don't like one-on-one's music that's obvious but I I do really like some of them at least what I know about them and Daniel as well I'm not gonna be I'm gonna be full disclosure I don't know any other names but I do want to learn if they're gonna be going solo and like making good music allegedly perhaps I mean so, so if, if, if you have like if what'd you say I said it's always a toss-up I mean I think like they're their, their b-sides are sometimes better than the title releases but that can maybe be set for k-pop as a whole sometimes that's, like, well, that's very true <laughs> just, just like because what was one song that they one-on-one promoted kind of it's called uh, like, that one song they had was um i could listen to it that it was that one song that they did at um <laughs> was it i pick you or beautiful was it a ballad or an upbeat one it was upbeat. Um, they did it at this oh. concert. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I only knew about it because Temi was at the same concert. <laughs> but I did watch them perform it, and, and they were wearing like red suits. I don't know if they usually wear that costuming for that. Was song. it light? Was it that song? Like, do you feel the same? Yeah, no, it, I think it was that. Okay. <laughs> that that sounds familiar. It might have been that. <laughs> I just remember thinking, wow, you know. A one-on-one song like that, <laughs> and for real, and so, and 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 clearly they're talented. So like, I do want. I am if they like all go like and do solos, or you know, even if like Hot Shot gets you know back together Aww. at some point <laughs> instead of going off and doing all these reality shows, um, I would be interested to see separately. I ju- just as one-on-one for me, their music didn't work, but separately that would be interesting. Yeah. Yes. I mean, personally, from like the industry, not that I like know anything about what goes on in Korea half the time, but um, like personally, I feel like someone was just like, hey, Energetic did really well. We don't have to try anymore. And that's what we're going to do. Like, <laughs> honestly, like it's such a waste. Like they were really talented. Like I, like I said, I did watch the show and like you, I mean, they were very, very talented, each of them individually. Like even the ones that I was just like, what are you doing there at the beginning of the show? By the end of it, I was like, okay, like. Like, I'm never going to not get over JR from Mary's getting in, but, like, I'm totally fine with the lineup. It's great. It's good. Like, they were a solid group. They had a lot of, like, I, I saw them actually more times than probably many people because I saw them at both K-Cons and then at Two Mamas. Mm-hmm. And, like, they had charisma and they had stage presence. And, like, the fact that they had a breakup was kind of stupid. Yeah, you would think with that success that would have I mean because for and you can correct me tomorrow or I don't know if you can give insight into this but it seems like and of course neither one of us are Korean but it just seems like they were to Korea what BTS was to American K-pop fans mm-hmm. like that's just it just seemed like they were a huge deal so when they tried to come over here and um we're not going to talk about what happened um I think a lot of people were shocked, but in Korea, they were just basically BTS. Basically. Is that would be as a fan of one-on-one, would that be? 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, they they were huge in Korea. Like, wow. honestly, literally anybody you talk to who's not like uh, remotely aware of like the fact that they started and like from the get go they were supposed to break up is just like, why are they breaking up? Like, but because they're each signed individually to different companies, it's literally not cost efficient for them to stay together. Like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that each of them individually saw a whole lot of money. Like, I just and they were they were. I think I just saw yesterday. I was just looking at Goan Chart's year-end, like, roundup. So, like, I think the top five albums were 2BTS, 1XO, and 2101. Like, no matter if they were number four or number five, they still had two of the best-selling... I don't remember... If, I don't think they... I think they were number three and five. Um, but, like, they, like, still had two of the best-selling albums in Korea. Like, these guys were, like, legendary level. And they're just like, okay, do your own thing now. Like, it just seems like a waste to me when, like, it's, it's like... I'm trying to think of, like, a... a, like a like take that like i don't know if anybody says take that but like take that like broke up like just randomly one day um they're like a i think they're the uk band yeah like they just like yeah yeah broke up one day in the middle of like i don't know breakfast or something like they just were like (laughs) okay we're done and it's just like why and like 101 it was just like from day one it's like honestly like i watched the show and i didn't really watch like i didn't like, I paid attention to their career because, like, that's my job. But, like, I wasn't necessarily getting close to the Like, I wasn't watching variety shows in one-on-one because I was just like, well, you're just going to break up. Like, now yeah. that I, I know your talent from Produce 101, like, I don't need to get um, attached to a group that's just going to not be there next year. Like, there's no point to me for that. But going back to the songs that you did bring up earlier. Seventeen's <laughs> um, Home is really cute. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you confused me because I thought you were going to talk about one oh, The songs yeah. we talk about. Because I thought you were going to tell me which song it was. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it was like, I think he was right. But I think his. I'm his sorry part. if I offended you. What? With what the one on one slander. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, no, I don't care. Like, honestly, like, I'm just sitting here like, so I'm going to go back to Hotshot. Like, Minion, thank you. You're going back to Nice. Like, Daniel, I hope your career pans out. Like, like well then like please take a, a nap like he's teeny he's like 17 years old and i just saw him posting on lunar new year on instagram that he's working and i'm like no don't oh. do that don't do that like i want you to go take a, a nap yeah, uh, you're a kid yeah 17. like don't you're gonna say, say the name um like i just want like them to, to not flop terribly and just like i feel like that's not too much to ask but it might be the songs that you were talking about earlier, CLC's No is uh, interesting. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because it seems so blatantly pandering to Western audiences who have the following of, like, who are cheering them on. But, like, mm-hmm. um, like you need to get a hit in Korea. Like, your your career, like, this is, like, going to be really businessy. But, like, the average K-pop idol's career is going to be in the Korean entertainment industry for the rest of their life, ideally. And, like, if people don't remotely know who you are in Korea, like, you are so, so, so dead. Like, there is money to be made internationally, but, like, when one ones tour didn't necessarily do so well in the States, I wasn't particularly concerned. <laughs> like, when, like, I'm not particularly concerned that Twice isn't touring the U.S. Like, I'm concerned necessarily that... <laughs> like Red Velvet isn't selling out or not even Red Velvet. I'm like a little concerned that NCT's venues aren't huge in Korea. Like, yeah. Mm. Uh, although they did just have a pretty decent size one um, for 127. So yeah, like, in not, Seoul. Not, yeah, but not like huge. Um, 
I mean, it was it was a few thousand, but um, like dreams were like seven fifty for their their dream show a few months ago. Um, I only know that because I was in Seoul and I was trying to get a ticket, and SM told me no because they had such few seats. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I'm not like concerned necessarily about groups that can sell sell stuff in Korea. Like B two B, nobody ever talks about in the U.S. Except we love B two B. We love like, B two B here. I like that's so sad when I don't have a minute in my day to like convince my editor, like, yes, I want you to talk about B2B today, please let me. Um, but like B2B, like literally, like they're probably not making like more than like this is like a really high estimate, like ten thousand in the US a year. Like, like and would BTS is probably making that much in the US a minute. Like it doesn't matter for B2B because they're just making all their money in Korea and they're they're set like even even like the members who people don't know as well are mm-hmm. going to be making money for like eternity um because of their i mean i hope they are i hope their contracts say that but like clc like they don't really have such a presence in the west like if clc was like we're going to tour the u.s right now i'd be like uh-uh don't do that my girl like they just we can't like even even someone like Seventeen, honestly, Seventeen has a big fandom in the U.S. But right now they, they do. Uh, yeah, they have a pretty sizable one. Like they were able to do a few tours. Um, right now they're in like a really weird place in their career in like both yeah. Korea and the U.S. So like I, I love them. Like I literally just met them. Like I spoke to them and like they were really nice guys. Um, oh my god, how's water? No, I'm kidding. Don't, <laughs> don't listen to me. I love Seventeen. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were all really nice. Um, but yeah, it was like so funny. He was yeah, whatever. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> just like one time standing. They they just like haven't figured out how to like get their. I think they're still trying to figure out their sound because like their whole thing right now is like we're growing up. We're not little boys anymore, which is yeah. great. Except your sound needs to mature in a different direction to get hits. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think people, like, I do like their songs and I like their albums, but, like, they're just likable, really good likable. I think that, like, they, if they did a tour, even they, I'd be a little concerned about. And, like, even in Korea, I'm a little concerned about them because, like, they don't have such a big identity outside of Seventeen and their identity as Seventeen is kind of messy right now. And CLC's is, like, 10,000 times worse. Ooh. sorry like i don't think if i said to the average korean on the street do you know 17 they'd say yes and if i said do you know clc they'd probably be like what are you talking about (laughs) they they would say nugu yeah and like (laughs) (laughs) don't at me on that don't at me on that i wasn't trying to you know i was trying to do anything with that just just i don't need nobody so i mean i think that like from literally coming off of like four minutes actually thinking about that like it's not like people know four minutes members either so pretty much cube just sucks at marketing it's women and like they got really lucky with idol i don't know how to pronounce that name we just say silent g we just be saying i love that (laughs) (laughs) um i mean i think that they got really lucky and clc's kind of what if moment with Livian Rose is like honestly I don't think Livian Rose would have done half as well if CLC had done it like fans mm-hmm. would have loved it but it may have and we'll never know and neither will they and that's like kind of shitty of Cube's part because they like had the girls teasing it and then they were like haha no um 
<laughs> and then and then they're like another girl group like mm. it's like kind of pathetic now how cube is just like we're gonna give you a song that we know nobody in korea is gonna like and the fans internationally aren't necessarily gonna pay for like i don't know what they're doing with them like honestly like the only thing i could think of is maybe they're prepping them to come to kcon that's like literally the only thing mm. i can think of that might save them sorry i'm really like i want clc to really thrive and i'm really mad at this song because it's it's attracting all the western fans and it's great and it's wonderful but like i don't think anybody in korea is going to react to it like it's kind of like mm-hmm. like b2b mm-hmm. was one thing and then they're like now we're ballad singers and that worked really well for them and like honestly go make like cube just was like we're gonna release a ballad girl group for like one song i still don't understand it but whatever like give clc a ballad like honestly you need to save your girl group like you already are like kind of like screw you we like g-idol and then we're gonna give you a song by soyeon anyway which could have been a g-idol song marie kondo your like roster (laughs) (laughs) but then the company might close you know they're like none of you bring us joy Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so. you know, everybody, everybody under Cube always brings me a lot of joy. I just don't think they bring Cube a lot of money. <laughs> See, to me, Cube is YG if YG had no ambition. Like, all of the mismanagement with no, like, actual want to do anything great. Because I just like they don't handle anything properly. It's just kind of sad, actually. I yeah, I don't disagree. I just like want them to not be half as bad as they are. Like it's I, I think that like like everybody who's everybody spoke before, we were all like, yay, no, but like no isn't gonna go anywhere for CLC and like mm-hmm. I don't understand mm-hmm. why I honestly don't understand what like it's a girl group. Like give us a girl generation song or something at this point. Like I understand like the intent and this is what the girl group's going to be but CLC kept on changing their identity and they really kicked it out of the park with black dress then they should have come mm. back no a month later but like yeah. someone pay me I'm really good at what I do <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be interesting to see you know if like they took maybe the suggestions of like western fans of like okay maybe you should run your k-pop group this way but then, you know, i'm not saying like something like the exp i'm not saying something like that um <clears throat> or just like have like a western like a western perspective on things but i know the difference high key the bts strategy i was about to say didn't bts send out a whole survey like they were like man send us your thoughts and i'm just like wow this is great free <laughs> but, did they, but did they use any of that because i know that they they sent out the survey or maybe they did and they were just like oh we're just not gonna tell people what we took hmm, hmm. hmm. that's called dispatch <laughs> um but yeah what was the other song you wanted to talk about wavy's come wavy i like dream uh, what was it Dream launch? Dream launch. Dream launch. Yes. yes. Dream launch. That was so cute. Yeah. Wait, it's a new song? I thought it yes, was. Yes, they had a new song. <laughs> I know. Like, that's why I'm so mad that they released regular first. They should have done like, Dream launch first. Honestly, I got to the point, and I actually really liked regular. I got to the point where I was like, uh, okay, how many times do, you, do I need to hear regular? Like, <laughs> you, it's like, come on. Like, <laughs> um, 
I actually wrote a piece like right as Wavy launched, dream launched. Uh, and like I watched the old SM presentation again about like NCT and what NCT is going to be. And like Isuman actually said flat out, he was like, we're going to have one song that every single group's going to sing. And I'm just like, oh, so that actually makes sense. Like this is actually like company policy that they had decided like day one but it's regular. Like, I like regular. regular? I just don't know, right? Like, I don't understand why regular is going to be the song that all their city group, like each individual, like city-oriented team is going to sing. Um, like, regular? Really? Like, can't you do touch? Yeah, like, because literally within a couple of years, regular will be like, even, even almost like now, regular is like, that was a fad, like in terms of the whole essence of the song, it's based mm-hmm. on like that Spanish sort of trap feel, which is already outdated. So it's like in a couple of years, people are going to just be like, why that? Why not like a song that's kind of timeless? You know what I mean? Like a song that's not stuck to a time period. And I don't know. It's just so weird. Why? That's a good question. Thank mm-hmm. you for telling me that. I mean, I don't know if like the next time if they do any more like or city oriented groups, they'll do regular. Like maybe it'll be like each one has like an era or something. But like, I don't. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, uh, someone just described it to me as like wavy is like like hiding in plain sight where we all are like wink wink nodding that it's not an NCT group. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest it's- thing ever. I think it's like a really wavy is in a really weird place and SM is yeah. definitely like just trying to like make the most of a really terrible situation regarding China and K-pop yeah. but like it's just a, I don't know don't do it it's so mm. like I, I don't know is anybody I don't know if anybody in, in I don't know who the audience is because I can't tell if people in China are responding I mean I guess I could go look at their Weibo you guys didn't even know that they had an original song because they're not tweet like they're randomly putting stuff on the SM channels and then randomly like it's sort of making it into K-pop news like I didn't cover Dream Launch's release not because it, it was from China but just because I didn't have time and like I don't think mm-hmm. anybody else did either and like mm-hmm. so what are you doing like yeah. who's, who's the audience I, I don't know who the audience is honestly because you know what? It, it almost feels like the audience is everybody but Chinese people, but they're just putting it in China just to say that they have like a group that's in China. That sounds really stupid, but that's the only thing that logically makes sense because even to how their marketing is, yeah, they. I know recently they did like a, a Chinese variety, but their marketing seems very like targeted, like. They, for example, the subtitles in their videos um, are like Korean <laughs> subtitles. Are they? Yeah, like, like on their on their videos where they're just talking, mm-hmm. they have Korean subtitles, which is really interesting because of that tension between Korea and China, and it just feels like and and obviously you do notice like when they are when, like this one recent one that they did with the Chinese um, like talk show or whatever um tv show they were very like skirting around the korea thing so hard like because they were like what languages do you know and they're like oh we know thai we know cantonese we know mandarin english german like spanish listing every other language and it's just like so funny to see them skirting around the whole korean thing and like because lucas actually learned chinese in korea like he learned (laughs) it's just it's just funny to watch it's just bizarre because it's like I don't really know how to hit, like take this as a someone who's like trying to consume the content. It's just hilarious. 
I'm going to No, I think it's fascinating. Like, I feel sorry for the other two who don't know what we're talking about. But, like, <laughs> they, they, they have no clue, like, anything NCT. They're just but, like, NCT, what? I mean, it's wavy. It's not NCT. Wavy. Okay. It's wavy. Sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, I just go with the flow. Yeah, so. I, just don't, I just don't get it. And, like, I don't, I, I'm now about, I'm going to go check out the subtitles now. But, like, if they were subtitling in English, that would make more sense because so many people in China are now like, we're going to make it in the U.S. just like K-pop did. So, like, at least do it in English. And then they definitely have videos with English subtitles, but mm-hmm. then they definitely have videos with Korean subtitles. And I'm like, and then they have videos that are just on the SM channel, but it's marketed as a wavy. Like, even at the end of the video, it says label V, but it's on the SM channel. Yeah, I mean, I think Lay's stuff does that, too, when they post it on SM. But, like, that's... Sorry, I get really frustrated because I tried asking them like 17 times, like, hi, do you have a statement on this? And they were just like, it's another company. And I'm like, no, but they're NCT members. And they're like, I mean, like, honestly, they're like, well, maybe they are. Like, that's what the Korean media outlets literally reported us. I'm saying was like, they might one day be part of NCT. Like, I don't understand. Like, it's really weird. And I honestly, like, I usually, SM is not. Uh, there's so much to come i mean a lot of people have stuff to complain about to sm and like there's definitely room for like criticism and stuff but so much of sm everything is just okay if you understand business and like now that they're not in like the dark ages of contracts with their artists hopefully you can understand like why certain things happen at sm and this just like mm-hmm. i can sort of understand but it's just being done in such a weird way it's just like yeah but why yeah <laughs> I, I just don't get it i really yeah, I don't get it at all. But hopefully we'll get an NCT tour this year and maybe they'll bring women. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Actually, I can't wait until BTS's next music video comes out because it'll be all about the NCT conspiracy. What? Um, oh, because the dream, like the dream stuff? Because BTS's videos are all related to theories and conspiracies, allegedly. I don't know. I'm not an army, so I don't know. But <laughs> I like theories. Hopefully they can cover this one. But yeah, so you you like Wavy's comeback. That's okay. That's one person. Dream launch is cute. I mean, I think I think it was good to I mean, I I want them to release Dream Launch from NCT Dream. Like that would be nice. Please do that. Ah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's all the tops I got. Any other interesting things oh, I mean is having a comeback. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, yes, I did not forget Taman. Taman is having a comeback. My best interview ever was Taman. <gasps> well, this is oh, really no. funny about it, John. Because he because Taman's just like you could like see the earnestness like seeping from his pores. <laughs> like I don't know how to express it any other way. He was just like very, very attuned to what he wanted to say and what sort of music he wanted to put out. And he really had a lot to say and like was just like a ball of joy and also after we were finished he had his team text me a youtube fan-made video and he asked me to respond to it and i didn't know what to do and it was terrible (laughs) it was terrible it was absolutely the most frightening moment of my life having a k-pop singer asking me to react to a fan-made video about him like i did not know what to do it was horrible Um, like 2 a.m was it like a fan-made video about like a a american or english-speaking fan it was it was like a people had like taken different clips from different like tv shows and like memes them to to move 
so like I remember like a Scooby-Doo one was in there and like there was something Spongebob and like some stuff from like 90s kid shows and stuff like where like it was just like the music video recut to different like weird moves and tv shows and stuff and he thought this was like the funniest thing on the planet and I was just like "Uh oh what do I do I'm not a fun like emotive funny person like how do I respond like I was just like laughing and being like oh this is so cute but like we weren't speaking in the same language it was really uncomfortable but also he was really cute like it was just like he just was like I wanted to show you this thing my fans made and it was I thought was funny and I thought it was so nice I was just like oh you like your fans <laughs> that's actually good to hear that Tamin is like uh seems to be a very nice person did you and think a very that, awesome that major did you think otherwise no I didn't I just oh. feel like I, I for some reason the reason why I really like shiny is because I feel like they all give off vibes every single one of them that feel like genuine to me which mm-hmm. is something that I, with any celebrity you're you know like for example people love cardi b because they go oh she's super genuine she's super mm-hmm. down to earth so to speak shiny just gives off vibes like they know what they are they know that they're like a boy band they don't, you know what i mean they don't try to be something that they're not and <laughs> they just come off as like really just straightforward like this is who i am kind of like he just did an interview a couple maybe yesterday yeah he Mm -hmm. just seemed like i'm just a you know chilling like i don't care what else is happening around me and i just kind of like that all of them seem to be like that to me um so it's just really interesting to hear from the perspective of somebody who interact like had a conversation as well as you could in two different languages with temi yeah to hear that we still communicated. It was okay. Um, but I've actually, I've interviewed the group on two different occasions, uh, very different occasions. And like their dynamic is really interesting to me, like that they're very much in work mode. So I was yeah. really not necessarily looking forward to my interview with him. And then like, I got, I finished with my interview and I was like, that was the best thing ever. He's just like, I don't know if it was just like, he's just in a different work mode when he's not with the rest of them doing like, because like interviews as a group with your whole team around you is just like so serious but if like you're just chilling like I don't know it was really interesting to see their different like his different role within the group versus his role as an individual Mm -hmm. and he was still kind of this like ball of joy in the in the second interview the first one was like a KCON and nobody's ever awake at KCON interviews um but the second interview we did, like he was also like definitely like deferring to the older members, but mm-hmm. you could like see his personality. And also like he's like about the BuzzFeed video was hilarious when he said that he doesn't shower if he doesn't go out. That was the most relatable thing I've ever heard. Of him from <laughs> Anything else? No, we just love Temi and he will be successful and thrive. Um, um, and so will his grandson Hechan. So, shout outs to Icon, very specifically um, Bi, June. I don't know the rest of them. So, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love Icon. Shout out to Icon. <laughs> um, shout out. Honestly, shout out to Edon. He's the real MVP. He is uh, out here signing with Psy getting employed um so is henna but we we expected that we knew she would get re-employed um that's about it because jyp is a flop um 
YG is a flop. Not as bad as JYP because at least he's not in a cult. Shout out. That's it. Yeah. And then all my regulars, the people that I actually like. Oh, but shout out to JYP and his new baby, though. Oh, yeah. We love babies. Um, it's <laughs> Baby, it's not your fault that JYP <laughs> is who he is. So shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to our uh, guests for, for being here. We... <laughs> Really appreciate you. Thank you for inviting me. This is a lot of fun. Yay. All right. So I guess it's my turn. I just want to say happy Lunar New Year to everyone. I see you're the pig. So I hope, you know, we all are all fat and happy like pigs. Oink, oink. Peppa Pig. What's up, girl? (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) And that's all I had to say. Owen Piglet, too. Didn't forget about the original. And Miss Piggy. There we go. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> okay. okay. That was a very, yeah. Yeah. It's a pork ribs. It's very specific. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. That was another episode of Not Your Average Netizens. You can find us in all the usual places. SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram. You can also drop us a line at notyouraveragenetizens at gmail.com. And thank you to everyone who tuned in to our Kpopalypse episode last week. And finally, a huge, huge, huge thank you to Tamar for joining us for this very long, very, very long (laughs) discussion and very entertaining discussion that we had together. It was so fun and entertaining, and we hope you are able to do it soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye, um, Bye. listeners. Bye. Goodbye.